to, uh, I guess it's episode 103. It's going to be 103 because I'm putting it out. So this is our intro for that. Welcome yeah. to NARBC Arlington. We are. It's our first time at NARBC Arlington. It's hot in here. It's I am warm. It, yes. It is warm. But it was snowing outside. It's, yeah. It was, yeah. The high today is like snowing. 40. But according to the forecast, two days ago, the high today was supposed to be 60-something. Yes. So I brought no closed-toed shoes. Same I brought no, no form of a jacket. I mean, yep. luckily for me, I'm hot all the time anyways. But yes, you are. Shut up. <laughs> Bonus points when I can. <laughs> uh, let's hit up our sponsors before we get into this because this is kind of our intro. That's right. We have Lone Star Reptile Racks. If you need a high-quality PVC rack, look no further than Lone Star Reptile Racks. They make quality PVC cages for all kinds of stuff because I don't have my thing pulled up on my phone <laughs> to read. But you can reach out to them at lsreptileracks.com or visit a herp show near you and check them out. Yes. And then uh, I know we're at NARBC Arlington, but we got to throw out uh, our Herb Reptile shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Herb Reptile shows. The next one coming up is Corpus. Corpus. At the end Two of weeks. February. At the end of February. Two weeks. So go down and enjoy the beach. And I will be there with cages and racks because um, the other cage person yeah, the other won't cage be, person be there. there. Perfect. So you got all kinds of stuff to check out. Yeah. So come check out. He's got several different types of cages: four footers, three footers. Uh, so working on two by twos for those silly green snakes on a stick. Mm-hmm. So for their super picky people that own them. Yeah, and we can talk. To, we'll we'll have some other people we'll talk to later about that. And yeah, they're weird ass people with the green snakes on sticks. I like it. They're, Good job, James. I don't hit the mic. If you've ever seen the sickness, you're like, holy shit. Yes, and then everybody That's wants that, it. and you can't get it because right. I'm just like. You can get babies from the sickness. And they won't look like that. Enjoy. But you never know. That's the thing about a chondro. That's why it's annoying (laughs) as hell. You never know. You have to keep them forever. Yeah. Because they pretty much all come out green, right? No, they come out yellow or red, depending on where they're from, from, uh, Australia or from Indonesia. Indonesia is red. Indonesia is yellow. Well, you know, if you bring our guest, Michael Powell, and before that, we do want to thank Wiregrass Exotics, our other sponsor, because without them, we wouldn't have this board and all this awesome equipment, and we couldn't record from NARBC Arlington. So, yeah, it's thanks to them. We do love her. I'm trying to see if I had a good. uh, I was about to say she loves your soundboard, so you need a good sound for her. You got to be ready for this, James. Bazinga! Bazinga! There we go. All right, bring in our guest, and y'all talk about your snakes. So. We are we're actually here today because of our guest, Michael Pinnell. How, how's it going, Michael? Doing well, doing well. Michael's from Python. We've had Michael on at Conroe. You did a little thing at Conroe you were on. Yeah. We talked to you yep. from Pythons in a Pear Tree. But uh, we're behind his booth at, at Arlington. It's our first time. For Robert, it's, it's Robert's first, like, big reptile show outside yeah. of Conroe. Our daughter's yeah. first as it's well. our daughter's first big reptile show outside of Conroe. Um, it's different. It takes a little getting used to with all the pipe and drape. And it's a whole yes. different group of people. I say it's a whole different group. I mean, we know half the yeah. people here. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, but there are a lot of people that come and from around. A lot of people that I know tangentially, like, you know, through Facebook and stuff that I yeah. yes. had conversations with, like uh, uh, John Feely, mm-hmm. you know, met him yesterday. Of course, Justin Cabelka. Cabelka. Bob Vu's here. Bob Vu's here. Chris from Sea Serpents. Um, Bob actually walked up to me and said, hey, you're, you're Robert that does the Rex and is on that podcast, right? Nice. Yeah, we can talk to him later. We can get him on here later. Yeah. Very cool. But um, so we're here hanging out with with Michael at the. I'm gonna look at the sign. It says the, the pit. pit. It's a cool sign. It is nice. a cool sign. But uh, so so Michael, what was your idea behind this? Because you you came to me for this, and I'd have always wanted, I've always wanted to do this. But you came to me, and I was like, yes, I definitely want to do it now. So what was your idea behind this? Oh, here comes Rachel and Heidi. 
look like they're on a mission. <laughs> Sorry, All right, ahead, so Michael. we, uh, you know, last fall when we were set up at NERBC, I was talking with Jason Brumley of Brumley Reptiles, Norm, my other partner from Royal Flesh Exotics, and we talked about, you know, this, this hangout, like all the carpet python guys, all the green tree python guys always come hang out at our table. Because if you look around and you guys looked around today, it's a lot of ball pythons. There's very few carpets or other snakes. Yeah. So you wait, this kind of became. There's, there's ball pythons here? Yeah, yeah. Just just a few. A few. Just a few. So then like all the carpets and, and, and green tree python guys always come hang here. And it's like, you know, they call somebody, hey, where are you at? Okay, we're at Pinnell's table, python or pear tree. So everybody started hanging out over here. And I wanted to do something that kind of incorporated them hanging out with us and it kind of give back to them as well. So we came up with this idea. Um, Norm actually came up with the name, The Pit. And uh, I came up with the, the, you know, kind of the logo as far as the couch. So we got this inflatable couch that your wife and I are sitting on over here. And you got yeah, the, yeah. Chairs. I'm and on Robert the couch with Putnam. You know, right. I'm just saying, anybody out there that's ever seen uh, the <laughs> casting couch has definitely got a different view of what's going on right now. Yes, yeah. yes. This is nothing like this. is not a black yeah, leather couch in an office. I made the mistake of sitting on one end and then having to get to the other end. And it was very awkward. Yeah, it's an inflatable couch that turns into an inflatable bed. Uh, it is not made for people the size of myself or Robert. No. Or we would me, send, for we would that send, matter. If I sat on it right now, I would send Pinnell into orbit. I know. <laughs> He'd be hanging from the rafters 20 feet up. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah, it was, just something, it was just something we wanted to kind of give back to everybody that always hangs around. And, you know, for anybody that's been at shows, you always have somebody you're talking to that's vending. And then when you have other customers come up to the table, it's kind of like, how do you, so it's like, why don't you just kind of come behind the table and we can chat and talk and I can still allow people to see the animals, converse with them. So then they always wind up being a large group that would come through. So now we just kind of give them an opportunity to hang out. So, you know, Jason brought the cooler with water and stuff. You know, we got the couch. It's kind of a tight fit, but I think it's kind of cool. It'll be fun. And we got people walking I'm gonna by. I'm going to take a nap later. Yep. Yep. I'm going to take a nap on the couch and then later. If, you know, if you <laughs> get hung over, there's always a place to hang out. That is you know? true. Crash out, cover you up with a little, I love little sheet, it. and you're good. Yeah. So what all did you bring today for this show? Well, what I have left is basically stuff that was left from last year. So as we all know, you know, those of us in Texas and most everywhere in the South had a really bad year because of the winter storm that knocked electricity out. Wait, there was a winter end. storm in Texas? Oh, yeah, a year ago. Yeah, yeah, a year ago to, yeah, I was going to say, we're coming up on years the type deal. That snow outside may have put people into a panic then. Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. Oh, and, what was um, it uh, last weekend when they were talking about uh, the freezing ice? People mm -hmm. were freaking the fuck out in well, Texas. Well, and uh, so yeah. and we're south of Houston, and our local weather guy kept, every time he would talk, he was like, it's not like last yeah. year. It's not like last year. Like, he kept reiterating that fact. Yeah, I hope now. you didn't want water or bread or milk. It was all gone. Yeah. But uh, so so you've got stuff. That yeah, I've got, a, I've got some carpets and stuff left. Um my Brisbane Coastals, you know, I have a couple of those left. A couple of nice red Coastals. Some you had really models. nice Erie and Jaya over there, that's all. Yes. Or yes. West Poplin. You know, it's one of those I've, I've kind of debated on because it used to be called West Poplin. It's, so it's the island just north of Australia. It used to be, New, you know, New Guinea and West Poplin. Yeah. Now it's be called Erie and Jaya. And I think it's something else now. I don't keep up with the political aspect of it. So well, yeah, cause that, that I don't area, know what to call them really anymore. It depends on where it's being shipped out of. Because sometimes it gets called one thing because it's getting shipped out of one side of the island, which is not where it actually got collected from. Yeah, and it's, yeah. It's a weird process. But it's the IJ slash WP. But it's pretty. That one's like really red. Yeah, yeah. 
I, which is funny because those used to be like dirt trash snakes. Like, well, a lot of it, it they're a possible hit for granted. So it oh, really? does make probably a little difference in the color of them as well. But and there's starting to be a lot of selective breeding on those. That's the good thing because, like I said, they were they were the cheapest carpet. They were the small, cheap, dark brown intro carpet, basically, that wasn't the bright yellow jungles. Mm -hmm. But I've seen a lot of people that have now started getting their lots of yellows and oranges and reds starting to come out of them. Uh, and, and they're actually really pretty, and they don't get, they get what, like four or five feet? Uh, your males are typically like five and a half, okay. maybe going on six, and females like six, six and a half. Okay. But when you look at your other carpets, yeah, yeah, they're the smaller ones. Yeah, they're not like a coastal. No. Although even though no. coastals don't get 15 feet like Facebook, or uh, Kingsnake used to say back in the day, everybody was like, what's the biggest coastal? And they're all like, oh, yeah, they get 15 foot. And I'm like, yeah, no. show me one. <laughs> but I, Not quite. I remember thinking that I was like, I want a coastal when I was a kid. I was like, I want a big snake. And then I'm like, they don't exist. You can't find a giant coastal. I'm sure somewhere in Australia there's a 15-foot coastal just hanging out in a tree somewhere. He's the one. Yeah. Or she. Eating bats and oh, yeah. whatever else. In small. You turn my mic up just a little bit. Too. Small kangaroos. Well, if, if, if you guys remember, there I think it was, it's been a couple years back on Kingsnake, there was a guy that was actually going to pay good money for people that had boas past a certain length. Because, I mean, there had been reports, and you know, some zoos had some that were yeah. like, you know, he would pay so much for a 12-foot boa, so much for a 14-foot, you know, common boa. <laughs> I mean, he's paying some good money now. Well, With there's a whole a lot of them around. <laughs> I don't know if he ever got any, the but problem I do remember there was a, a people out looking for them. The problem is the really big ones aren't living long because people fed the shit out of them to get mm -hmm. them that big. And like, now you get to some of the true, what I call true red tails, uh, you know, the Guyans and Surinams, you can mm -hmm. get some of those 14-foot mm -hmm. behemoths. But, yeah, the Colombians, uh, there were a couple, but on often they were super obese snakes i think too is is most of those that were is what you found in the wild because they had such a diverse diet mm -hmm. they weren't constantly fed the, the the rats or whatever that we feed in captivity that it you know they just were allowed to grow larger that and the just imagine the muscle tone on a wild snake is so much different than what we have in cages yeah i mean they're actually having to like go look for food and move up trees and mm -hmm. get a whole lot more enrichment yeah it's, I mean, I, like what Tom Crutchfield's doing with his enclosures. I don't know if you've seen it, Mike. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got huge outdoor enclosures for his big snakes. Yeah. And I mean, he's also in South Florida where where you can do that. 99% of the year they can stay out there with no supplemental heat or anything. As long as no one comes over there and kills right, and right, right, stuff. Right. That's, yeah. That was horrible. Yeah, because they did it to him and then they did it to Kenan. Kenan. Right he got there. his animals, got both of his lizards back. Yep. Amazingly. They, uh, I watched that. So the the first one they got back. The second one, the one of the kids said, "Oh no, we just threw it out when we got it," because the second one had a, like a kink tail or something. It was a it was a, it was a black throat I think. Anyways, it had some issues. So I think it's like a week and a half later, one of his neighbors right across the road called him to come over because they had an iguana. They needed them to come catch his iguana and remove it from their back porch. He gets over there. It's his lizard. It's not an iguana. It's oh, his well, monitor. That's wow. awesome. It's his monitor. The, the night, night before it had been down in like the 40s and 30 degrees. The oh night before, God. so like it's very lethargic. He got it, but it was still alive. Um, I, I'm assuming it's still doing well. I don't know. I haven't watched the wow. video, but that is just crazy. I can't imagine. That's another thing that scares me about putting anything outside. Like my tortoises are outside. I'm horrified that someone's gonna drive by and go, "I want that," and just go grab them. What is that norm just got out? Is that a granite berm? It's a granite berm. Yep. I love that pattern. I love green patternless berms. Yeah, those are my favorite berms. But I don't have room for a. I mean, I guess you could do a male, mm -hmm. and they'll stay smaller, but. So here's a question. What, because you have a snake named after you. 
the impact. I have well, a line. I have a okay. line. line. So I heard, I, and this may not be yours. This may be something different because I don't know names with anything. I was at a table, and I overheard two guys talking, and one was like, yeah, it was like a knockoff Pinelli or something. Is that yours or no? No. no oh, just kidding. Impen. Impen. Totally ignore everything I just said then. Because in my mind, it made me think of you. And I was like, oh, no, it's I a, know him. It's a type of coastal. <laughs> well, well, I'm wondering if he's, he was referring to a, an Onepoli python. Oh, which Pally? are Yeah, in Australia that we can't, they can't get, get here. So and maybe that's I, what he's talking I about. But I don't know what snake he was talking Probably about. I don't either. I would imagine a scrub of some sort. About a, a, you know, one of mine in the knockoff something. Yeah. Because there's not a whole lot of Pinels around yeah. here. So. No. Yeah, somebody was asking. They were like, well, what was it? And he's like, it looked like a knockoff Pinelli. And I was like, Probably it made me think of you when I heard that. I bet it's an Owen Pelly. I bet it's maybe some sort of scrub because you could probably. Yeah. I mean, even they're not the same thing, but to someone who doesn't know anything, they're a long, mm-hmm. a long Australian snake. Mm-hmm. So, a yeah, I've only known one Pinel ever, and he's sitting right here. That's, that's the only one? Right. Is Michael. So Michael, He's what? got one of those names that you have to say his first and last name. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I have people like that. I normally just call him by his last name half the time. Yeah. He's a first. James is a first and last name kind of guy when he, when I'm mad at him. Then he's James Lewis. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that yeah. more than once. <laughs> I just ignore when it. When I'm aggravated, he gets yeah. both names. So what's the favorite thing that. on your table, Michael? <laughs> what the favorite thing you brought that, that if you didn't sell, you'd be like, nah, I'm okay? Uh, probably the Buttergrim. So which one? Uh, either my Buttergrim or my uh, banana bamboo. Those are it's ball, a pythons. ball pythons. Fuck yes. Fuck but but <laughs> as far as the carpets, really the only one I have right now that I could say I wouldn't mind selling is that striped red coastal over there. Other than that, I've got some that are better than that at home, so it's not <laughs> an issue. But, you know, if it didn't sell, I would not be heartbroken. Michael's like, come, come buy my – I don't care about this one. Take this one. I got better stuff at home. So, well, you know, that's how you up the game, you know. You've right. got to keep that is the true. best stuff so that you, you know. Have you seen anything around the show? Did you get to walk around and see anything and you're like, oh, that's awesome? Uh, I did see a couple snakes. I mean, uh, you know, Canova always has stuff that just kind of draws attention. Yeah, I hate ball pythons, but they do look awesome. But uh, I, I was a little di- disappointed. I didn't see a whole lot of uh, Asian colubrids. Uh, yeah, I didn't see much. You know, I mean, honestly, just look around. The only Japanese rat snakes I saw are what's on my table. You know, I haven't seen any Russian rat snakes. I didn't see any blue beauty. I didn't see any beauty snakes anywhere. So no, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen any, I haven't seen any of those either. Uh, you know, it's, it's it. This show's always had a more variety, and for some reason, and it's just because it's early. It could be it. All the babies have been sold out. Yeah. And so you come back in the fall, and it's going to be yeah. Normally, fall, fall shows tend to be better for babies for yeah. sure. Yes. There yeah. is an awesome pair, 1.1 pair of adult Dumerals boas over there. I did. I did see them. Did I you think get the price? No, but I think seventeen. I think they're a little too fat. On they them. are. They have. They have like back. I mean, numerals are supposed to be big snakes, but they're muscular. They're very they muscular snakes. Need, well, snake, like the big female little, we got at Slidell, we had to put her on a on diet because she's yeah. way too heavy. I've honestly, and it probably gets some people mad at me, but I've seen a lot of big ball pythons in here that seem like they're yeah. way overfed. We saw yep. a leopard gecko <clears> with a tail. Oh, that it was broken was, off. No. Oh, I saw one with that had a broken off tail. No, this one was like. The largest tail. It was. And they store fat there. That's what happens. Yeah. Yep. But it was like, it, but it wasn't like a normal tail. It was like just the end was like bubbled out, and I don't know. Uh, it was even. You sure it wasn't like a knob tail or something? Maybe it was. That may have been what it was because even our daughter was like, "It's something wrong with its tail." Which I was tail like, did you oh, see? You know, I don't remember. She remember. Oh, because if knob tails, uh, LC typically has knob tails. Yeah. So. We also saw well, that. Brian Spencer's. Lovins in here. He usually has yeah. those. And, mm-hmm. 
We saw the Spencer's. It was the Spencer's Spencer monitor. monitor. Yeah, that yeah, was nice. cool. Right next but to the Bell's face. Next to the Bell's face. I like yeah, the Bell's face. Awesome. Yeah, James did you see unimpressed. it? I did. did and you see and the told the guy the who has the them that they don't impress him. They don't. What the hell's wrong with you? You know That's what? Right they don't there, impress your daughter either. And I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you too? Dude's excited about doing. It. I, I'm not impressed. I think red ackies are cooler looking. Like I like red ackies. They're cool too, but now there are supposed to be some Kimberly monitors here as well. From those with Kimberly rocks. Those are cool. Wow, I didn't see those. I do like some of those. And then we had a... Uh, I got a snake today. You did. You did. <laughs> I came here with the express rule of we are not taking any fucking animals home. Uh-huh. And I walked you up broke to that. the hail the scale. And I looked at it yesterday, and it's one of the employee's personal snake. And she just handed it to me. Here you go. Okay. That's a good-looking snake. It's a Walla it County is. speckled. It was wild-caught yep. as a baby. She's had it in captivity. Well, you've wanted a speckled king snake for a while. And you've wanted this, like... This is really close Either to where Either a Waller or Harris County are yeah. the two mm-hmm. localities I want. And she said, I could take you to the log that I found him under. Um, That's awesome. That yeah. is really cool. So, Robert got tired of seeing my awesome-looking Speckle King, and he had to get one. So he's a— uh, He's fabulous. Yeah, he's pretty cool. She said he eats frozen frozen thought off the tongs. and Robert's ice. collection is slowly becoming the same as my collection. <laughs> yeah. He, he got Doom Rolls after I got a Doom Roll. Well, uh, I, didn't, I didn't get them. I was like, That's all his wife right <laughs> yeah. there. You got, you got a Red Foot after I got a Red Foot? Yep. That was because I bought the red foot he, he wanted, wanted to buy. Yep. <laughs> that's Speckle King snake. Right. Now you just need you, uh, you have some Sambos at the need house already. Need a Brettles. Well, you know what you do need? You need a Madagascar cat eye now, too. That is a cool snake. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but it sounds cool. Rachel got it from Rachel Michael. Rachel got it from me. Rachel so. had it out there nice. today. It's, yeah. it's a really cool. It was at, um, you saw, I thought, at uh, Lafayette. Yep, I had it on the table Lafayette. Yeah. Okay. It was kind of gray. Love with it. It. Yeah. It's a really cool looking I was going to say, you said gray, so I'm sure I'll love it. I can't remember. Are they are they slightly venomous? Yes. Like a rear fang type thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a hog nose. They're like yeah. beak, beak snakes or any gotcha. of those. Yeah, yeah. So they're cool looking snake. The yeah. Big ass eyes. Well, the eyes just evil looking. That's what I like about it, I think. But she's a sweetheart. So it's super calm. Oh, yeah. I've held yeah, it. It's very super, super calm. calm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's uh, how big do those get? That, the one she's got full grown. It's what, like four, three foot, three and a half, four three foot? Three and a half, maybe four foot. Yeah. They're, they're a slender body snake. I mean, they got that big old head and then the, yeah. kind of a slender yeah. body. But yep. that's a cool one. But you're right. I haven't seen a lot of. I haven't really stopped a lot of colubrid stuff around here. I kind of. There's not a whole lot of colubrid stuff here. That's true. No. I zoomed through. I mean, Russell's got a bunch, and, and that's that's a lot of corn. Russell had a bunch mm-hmm. of people at his table, so that I didn't get to yeah, walk up and here. actually see what he had. That's because Russell's going to sell out all of his corns. I just did what day. I always do to Russell. I walk by and I say, "What would Russell do?" And he <laughs> goes, "Pretty much anything." <laughs> <laughs> you're, well, the good thing is your son's not here to go and buy like four snakes from Russell at this show. I mean, he spends his own money. That's I true. I mean, I've spent a lot of money today. What'd yeah, you, that's true. What'd on t-shirts. Oh, okay. Got a well, mask, so got a, a mask from U.S. Arc. I say our daughter is officially a U.S. Arc member, so cool. she got her shirt. And we registered her, and so she's a, she's official now. Awesome. awesome. Uh, the two of us actually got two of the NARBC Arlington shirts because they have Adeline Robinson's art on them. Um, I was not asked. Really like that. I was not asked if I wanted a shirt. Well, that's because they only go up to a two X. Fuck them. Yeah, um, that's my problem. They don't too. like fat people. So nope. they they don't. Um, and then I did buy you a shirt. From Snakenstein. Yeah, it's got like a really Chris. cool snake at a on like a sciencey table, and it made me think yeah. of you, cool. so I bought it. And cool they had a 3x, so I bought it. And then I got a, a new mask to wear. You from got a new mask US from US Arc. I bought a, a Cabilka shirt. Are we shirt. still doing masks? Well, well, you have to have them if you're on a for plane. For certain things. Mm, and, yes, some people are going on a plane soon. So. Yeah. So, yeah. We don't really talk about it. Right? And then, She's, uh, here. Not here. She's right behind you. She's behind you. Shut your mouth or I'll stab you. <laughs> yep, sorry. <laughs> and then I got a new U.S. Arc. I got a U.S. Arc hat. I'll you in later, Michael. You look very confused yeah. at the moment. <laughs> I, got a, I got a U.S. Arc and hat. And I got him a hat because he, God knows he needs more hats. But Always. 
Always but it went to a good cause. I did, and, I, and nothing's good. alive. Yes. I haven't bought anything that's alive. We so. need to try to go over there. <laughs> the problem is Phil's the only one here, so I don't know if we can pull him away from his table to come over here for like two minutes. Probably not. Probably not. Because he's the only guy that works for the, if, the entire if, company. If at all possible, you might be able to do it tomorrow. That's true. Early. Morning before opening. Oh, there you go. That's before true. Open. Like, go yeah. talk yeah. to him yeah. today and get that and set up. And get it set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I would love to hear from him because now all of a sudden people are doing those fucking care.org petitions. And I it's know. Like, and we're, I keep commenting. Several people are like, please stop sharing this yeah. because U.S. Arc is specifically the asked. The change.org, you mean? Change.org, yeah. yeah. What did I say? You said care.org? Care. Yeah. And I was Screw like, them too. Yeah. I was like, I don't know that but one. I, like I tell people, all you're doing is driving traffic to care.org. Yeah. Your senator doesn't give a shit. Change.org. You did what, whatever. Change. Whatever. <laughs> you know what he meant. Um, I know, but I want to make sure the listeners You know what know. I had been saying? <laughs> um, and all you're doing is driving traffic to them, and your senator doesn't care about a signature on there. They can't verify that that's a constituent. They don't yeah. care. Mm-hmm. But everybody needs to join USR. You get a cool shirt. Even Brumley, he's wearing his USR shirt. Yep. Look at Jason in his USR shirt. Supporting. I have mine on today. Probably wearing it. That's right. <laughs> But yeah, mine was a little tight. It looks like a muscle shirt. Well, I mean, Robert's sporting the <laughs> In Blue muscle. podcast shirt. Robert already yeah. broke his bracelet for the show. That's right. Little paper bracelet. Too busy flexing. Too much, too much strength. Too much uh, using that right wrist. Whatever, man. I'm married. Really strong. Exactly. That's why you use that right wrist. You would know. <laughs> totally set me up for that one. <laughs> oh. Yeah, there's a JT. There is a JT. It's, it's going to be interesting to see the people walking by. It was funny. My daughter walked around, and she's like, I know a lot of people here. I'm like, yeah, because we do all the Herb shows. In it's, Texas. A small, it's a small community. I mean, yeah. it really is. Well, and then the people that she didn't, like, personally know, she recognized names mm-hmm. when well, I told her to names. Talking about, she's heard them on podcasts. We're talking so. about Michael. I, I, before I ever knew Michael, I knew who he was because of Morelia Python Radio. Because they talked about M-Pen all the time, and they've had you on. And I remember the very first time I met you, it was he Longview. He was geeking out. Don't let him lie. It was Longview, and I looked <laughs> at the map of where I was for Longview, my first Longview show, and I was right next to Python and Parachute. He's like, wait a minute. I know that one. It was so, so. funny because he's like, guess who I'm near? And I was like, <laughs> I'm happy for you. You're excited. It was, was so cute. And then I realized it's just Michael. <laughs> And then then he gave me all kinds of crap for trying to come to Louisiana with carpets. Uh Don't don't fucking do do that. Don't Don't do it. it. Stay away. No, but Michael's like one of my favorite people I know. Yep. I was was very sad when you weren't at Conroe. Yeah, and and I really want to do Conroe. It's just, uh, you know, Jason does a lot of these shows with me. And uh, we were in Longview the weekend before, and we were talking about it. And with what little stock i have and right you now. this show coming up and, and this show two weeks after that it was like do you drive down you know set up friday basically bum around all day saturday and then sunday at, in in the work schedule i work i had to be at work i gotta be up at 1 30 in the morning on sunday i mean on monday morning so i'll either that or i drive down sunday three hours do the show drive back three hours and still got to get up at 1 30 you know monday morning go to work and it was just it didn't. It Who just needs didn't work? You oh, know, that's right. So, I forgot you worked that crazy schedule. Yeah. But. Uh, so hopefully my schedule at my uh, job is supposed to change, and you know I, we can. I had a customer drive down so. Monday from North Oklahoma to pick up some stuff, and uh, he had to make two trips to Huntsville because his brother was in Huntsville with an RV. So he drove to me in Pasadena, picked up half the racks, drove him to Huntsville, and then drove back. And uh, um, he was telling me he's like, "Yeah, now I have to drive home." He didn't get out of there till like three. It was six hours home, and he had to be at work at three a.m. No, nah, no, nah, I'm good. I've done, I've done stuff like that, but you know, I'm getting older. But he's also <laughs> like twenty-five. I, just, I ain't yeah. trying to, I ain't trying to do. Yeah. 
I'm knocking on 50, so well, I ain't now. And like he said, he's a he's a inspector for a bus manufacturer, so he's like, I put on my headphones and just go through the bus, and he's like, if I need to lay down on a seat and take a nap, I do. I've, I've definitely reached that age where shit just does not happen as easy as it used to. No, no like, nothing. Getting out of bed is it's slightly an ordeal. It's a dicey process. Like, okay, what's going to hurt this morning? <laughs> Every day you're like, yep. <laughs> Every day you're like, ah, oh, what's going to fall apart today? Right, right. It's like I had to go give blood the other day because I'm I'm probably now diabetic. I'm like I wasn't diabetic a couple years ago, but all of a sudden it's like now you're two years older and now you are. Seven yep. years of karma I'm coming back to you. bite you in the ass. I'll tell you what though, man. The older I get, the more I struggle with mortality, because like just in the last two weeks, I've known two people that have just instantaneously gone. Yeah. You know, one of them was a police officer mm-hmm. friend of mine that was bent over to feed his dog. Ugh. And that was it. Wife found him when she got home. Oh, wow. 55 years old. The other one was a 20-year-old friend of mine's son who was pulled up to a red box at a McDonald's, leaned over to get it out of his seat, and had a brain aneurysm. They found him 12 hours later. That aneurysm scared the crap out of me. Yeah. You can survive a heart attack. Aneurysm, you're done. That's it. You never know what hits you. That's the man right there. Norm could get Norm on later. He can tell you about the heart attack. He he was literally, he was technically dead for 45 minutes. Really? Shit. Yeah. He can tell you all about it. Yeah, but this this one thing, and I, I will say this, and, and I've brought it up on podcast in the past. So a lot of us, you're in this snake business, hobby, whatever you want to call it. A lot of us do it by ourselves. Our spouse, yeah. significant others, not really in it. Yeah. It's great if you have both people, but when it's just you, you know, make sure you got somebody that could take care of stuff if you yep. disappear. Yes. I was just about to say For that, whatever yeah. reason, something happens. I mean, like you said, you know, heart attack, aneurysm, something that's just quick. could be a car accident. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, even with him, I had to wait until he got out of the hospital to see what the deal was. And I told my wife, I said, I, I, I got to go. And I took three days, and I went up there and had to go through his animals. And, you know, I mean, yeah, it had been three weeks before anything had been up there. Yeah, I mean, you gotta so get, I they, they need water. They gotta, we just they had a guy in our area. And he had to go, at that point, he said, I have to get rid of everything. So I had to go through a catalog, <coughs> bring down to him, and then he could start contacting people. I stayed up there. I watered, cleaned cages, got stuff ready. When we figured out where it was going, got stuff packaged up. And, uh, you know, now he's doing a lot better. He's, you know, he's still in the game. He's doing geckos and all that other stuff. You know, you talk with him later. But uh, he it, looks it was a lot just better. something, man. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was crazy. So you've got to have somebody in it. I guess a lot of it hit me um, a couple years back. There was a, I can't think of his name, but it was a boa breeder up in the East Coast. It was on a motorcycle and had an accident, and his wife wasn't in it. You know, So then it was like, okay, who's going to take care of his expensive collection? Right. Who's going to go make sure that he gets, you know, if it comes down to it, like right now I have Jason Brumley. He's close by me. That if something happens, my wife knows to contact him and yeah. Norm that, hey, come take care of And Jason's closer, so that's why I got him. If something gets watered, fed, check on stuff, and then, you know, take what you want, yeah. sell other stuff, and you just make sure the family gets the money or however you want to do it, just make sure the animals are taken care of. Well, we've that's got a that. lot. They can't take care of themselves. we got them trapped in cages. Right. We've got to look out for them. So We've got a guy right now down in our area that was uh, had a, about 30 or 40 super dwarf retics, mm-hmm. high-dollar animals, and he fell in his snake room. And died. Fell. They think he hit his head. Yeah. And uh, his mom found him like two days later. Wow. And, and luckily, uh, somehow they got in contact with some other people well, we know. By the time they, um, the family, you know, went through the whole process, they realized shit. Some, we got to do something about these snakes. 
and half the snakes had gotten out of their enclosures, and um, he had a lot of home-built enclosures. Oh, well, yeah. what it was is he had screws that held all the doors closed, and uh -huh. he, was, he was getting ready to feed, so he went and took all the screws out. Oh, wow. So all the snakes were out and roaming around and ended up, um, what's his name, uh, the one we always mess with on Christmas? Caleb. Caleb. Caleb and his dad went over there and ended up rounding them all up. And they, and they found some homes for yeah. them and all. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, but that was by, by, by luck. I mean, they, they were able to get a hold of them and do that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it was them because a lot of times fire department police come in. And they just they kill them all. Freak. I mean, you, yeah. you heard the story of, I want to say it was probably in the East Coast somewhere too where the guy Recently. they found dead. Yeah. And they did say it was nothing to do with the snakes. Everything yeah. was kept pristine. Yeah. He had venomous and other stuff, but they were the ones that come in. So if yeah. you had had stuff loose running around in the house, man, these people are going to freak. They don't have no experience yep. with it. First thing you want to do is get that axe out. You know, yeah, and then that ends up looking bad on the hobby. Fire, you know. I mean, yeah. I'm, I know that seems kind of shallow because someone dies, you know, like it looks bad on the hobby. But that, but that is one thing I take care of. I mean, if they show up and they find cobras or monitors or whatever running around the house, they're going to go, all, all these reptile people are like this, and this could happen anywhere. But, I mean, well, they can, but you got to look. I, I don't know if it's sensationalism with news. They sure. always got to oh, yeah. add that extra stuff. So it's okay. This guy was found dead in his house. They don't need the story at that. This guy yeah. had venomous snakes. Right. You can have another one. And he died This guy decided to, yeah. you know, uh, embezzle money. Oh, but he was a pastor of a church. So you got to throw that in there just to make it feel even worse. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. it didn't have nothing to do with the position he had here that caused him to do it. Was, it was himself. Well, I think the article on that yeah. guy, uh, it said, like, in the last paragraph of the story, it was like, they do not, they don't. Uh, the snakes didn't kill them or whatever they, they said. Yeah, yeah. But you had to get all the way to the bottom. You had to no get one's all reading the way to the, the bottom, bottom of the story. They didn't go to the say that everything was kept. There was nothing loose. Yeah. They waited all the way to the bottom of that article. But you sensationalized everything at the top, even your headline, you know. It's insane. Snakes and venomous snakes and cobras and the guy found dead, you know. So. But I, I look out because I've got Katie and we've got the Herbs family and everybody that we know. And so if something were to happen, yeah. she could. Talk to Robert and talk to Sean, talk to you. And well, and if something were to happen to both of us, both of our parents also know yeah. Yeah. this is who you reach out to if something happens. Yeah. They can go for it. That's there. why it's important like, to to go out and meet people. Go yeah. go meet people in the is. hobby. And, and have more than one. Because I actually had another guy that was close, lived in Dallas, that had bought carpets and stuff from me, and he was kind of the go-to guy. Well, his life changed. He's out on the East Coast somewhere now. And uh, so then, you know, I hooked up with Jason Bromley, and he lives close by. We do a lot of shows together. He's kind of the main one, and, and Norm. And um, But Norm's five hours away. Yeah. Right. So Jason's like 45 minutes away. It was easier to just be able to call Jason. He can kind of check check on stuff, make sure nothing's running loose or, you know, you know tell him what happens. One. And then get Norm contacted in any combination as a group. And then I know Sean Gray and stuff, Herb's family. Oh, yeah. Everybody kind of comes in. Well, it's you very know. easy in this hobby because there's a lot of people in this hobby that are, are very much, uh, I'll say loners, but very uh, shy when it comes to being around people. That's why they kind of gravitate towards these animals and towards mm -hmm. wanting to have these. And so it's very easy for those people to not have that, that group, that network of people, because yeah. that's just by the nature of how they are. Uh, so it's important. Go, go, go to a show, talk to people, find, find the people that are your kind of weird, and hang out with those people. Yep. Because yep. we're all weird. You just got to find your level of weird. Your level of weird. Yeah, there you go. Because there are definitely levels of weird. I'm like, not nah, can't hang with that level of weird. But Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. They so. all seem to want to buy racks. All right. It's lunchtime. Katie wants to go find food. Yeah. And, we, and we may grab Michael towards the end of tomorrow and see how the show went. Yeah. Get back on here. I want to talk about some carpet pythons again. But we'll be back later. We'll have some, somebody else. 
So stick around. Thanks, Michael. All right. Bye. See you later. All right, we are back with Phil Goss from U.S. Hurt. Not U.S. Hurt, say? U.S. Hurt. What did you say? It's, look, I haven't eaten breakfast. Someone told me I had to take, check my sugar before I could eat. <laughs> I did. He just had to stick his finger. And Poor it's U.S. baby. I'm wearing a hat that says it. Yeah, I, I can see it. I was at an, that's the problem. <laughs> right. You were wearing, so you should have bought a hat. Look, I put my sunglasses on. You can see it in the reflection. <laughs> you look kind of douchey with your sunglasses <laughs> on inside. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> Phil Goss of U.S. Arc. You don't have your U.S. Arc shirt on. That's what threw me I off, don't. too. How's it going, Phil? I'm all right. How are you doing? Good. Uh, you've been busy the last, like, two weeks. A little bit busy, <laughs> yeah. Uh, last night at the auction, I said, I'm sorry that more people know who U.S. Arc is now, but we're going to take care of it. So. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yeah, that auction went great. Yeah, yeah. there's a big auction. So we did $68,000 and change last night, and the old record here was, I think, a little under fifty. So oh, yeah, wow. That's wow. awesome. Night. Yeah, because Adeline's painting yeah. for $7,500. Yeah. Todd from Timberline. Yep. Yep. That uh, the auction was great. That um, this whole thing's been crazy. It's funny seeing U.S. Arc pop up on things that aren't reptile-related Facebook pages now. Yep. Uh, it's like bird groups and fish groups and everybody. Yeah, because yep. this is an expansive bill, and U.S. Arc is the one who found it buried in the 3,000 pages of the America's America Competes Act. So. That's crazy. How how does that happen? Like. How do y'all just find something that's like buried in there? Did someone give you a heads up, or is someone actually having to read all however many pages of that? No, no. So we uh, we can do keyword searches gotcha. on these things. So that's what I the great thing about the internet. Now. Yeah, we pay for a service and then it it dings. So what, whether it's Python or Boa Constrictor or Injurious or Lacey Act, whatever the keyword is, then we'll get alerted to it. Yep. Then you got to go dig it out and find it and read yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We still had to find it, but that's a little bit easier than reading <laughs> every well, bill that comes out. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps to know. Okay, this I know my keyword is in here, so I know I need to read this yep. versus reading everything that oh, gets yeah. put and out. With yeah. if, if there's no keyword. Well, in then you have to peel apart the jargon that's used for however it's written or rewritten for the fourteenth time they've tried <laughs> to sneak it into things. Right. Yeah. Well, obviously we got to go and create the alert and break it down into plain language for everybody because yeah, that stuff is no fun to read. No. Oh, <laughs> so. It's, um, but, yeah, we do all that. The important part is just getting awareness of it, and then we go from there. So we've talked on our podcast a lot about – we talk a lot about you because uh, we love U.S. Arc, and it drives us nuts when we see people bad-mouthing it. For no, they have obviously no idea. Um, and there's a couple of things I just wanted to ask you your thoughts on. You can say I don't want to answer that if you want to. But uh, one of the I've big, never said that yet, so let's go. One of the big ones that always <laughs> gets hit – He's never offered that option <laughs> to anyone yet, so there yeah. you go. <laughs> One of the big ones that always bothers me is is the money issue. People get upset about they, they don't want to donate because they don't trust where the money is going. Yep. Uh, what is your response every time you get that? Yeah, that? That happens a lot. That's easy to address. So we are a 501c6 registered nonprofit. So all our 990s are actually posted on our website. Mm -hmm. So people can go there yeah. and look at all our 990s and how much <laughs> money we get every year. And I mean, I don't know what else what else they would yeah. want out of it. It breaks it down. None of the board members are paid. Actually, the board members pay for over half of the revenues that oh. go into U.S. Arc until last year. Uh, last year, we got the industry and community really stepped up and, That's awesome. and, and increased U.S. Arc's fundraising. Um, but yeah, before that, the board members, they don't make a penny off this. They actually, again, they're funding over half of- And those are mostly uh, industry people that want this to succeed, right? Those yeah, absolutely, sure. yep. And some of them aren't even, when we were going through the big snake lawsuit, they were companies that made zero money <laughs> off of big snakes or salamanders, but you know, they realize that the, it's important for the industry. We can't just keep losing piece by right. piece. So, yeah. um, I've had some some discussions with people that complain about the fact that you get paid. 
And I'm like, uh, and how much you made? They're like, I don't make that much at my job. And I'm like, I bet if you break that down by the hour, Phil's making less than minimum wage. Yeah, it's 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 not a great wage hourly if we look at it. But right. yeah, I do get paid, but this is a full-time it's job. It's a job, right. I yeah. mean, yeah. It's yeah. more than Absolutely. a full-time job. So just this week, for example, so... I'm at a show, but shows are not fun, unfortunately. Not anymore. when you're working. They used to be when I was buying reptiles, but Saturday at a reptile show for U.S. Arc is just nuts. I mean, we start at least an hour before the show starts, and we got out of the auction room at 10 o'clock last night, and it is just nonstop. we got to organize that auction and get everything. And then from here, I fly straight to Florida because um, I have a FWC, Florida Fish and Wildlife That's gotta be fun to mess that with. I have to attend. So, I mean, I'm out on the road six days. And the typical year before COVID, I mean, I was spending 100 plus nights in a hotel, so it's not, it's, it's work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the, they don't understand that this isn't a side hobby or hustle for you. This yep. is, this is oh, your yeah. job. Yeah, like, anything you see put out by U.S. ARC, I mean, some stuff we do have our lobbyists, federal lobbyists or somebody look at it, but most of that stuff, I mean, that's drafted and written by me, so there's got to be somebody to do that stuff, so somebody has yeah. to get paid. Right, yeah. absolutely. Yep. How did you get to like this? Because you were, you were uh, I'm assuming, just a reptile keeper at one point, and then you're like, I'm going to try and do more. So the way this worked was uh, the first president went away, and I sent a one-line email that said, who's stepping up? And it led to this. Ten years, Whoops. Ten, ten years later, I'm still the one who stepped up. So anybody oh, else man. out there, if you want to come along and do a better job, feel free. I'm under no contract. Uh, the board votes and places anybody who works for U.S. ARC. So, but that's how it began was a one-line email. There's an entire internet out there who thinks I they can, can do better. Warren Booth. <laughs> not send that email. I can see Warren Booth's response. How about you? <laughs> no joke. We were we uh, we had Ryan McVeigh on uh, Wednesday night. Yeah, right after we talked to right Phil. after yep. you guys, and we didn't know Warren was in the chat, and we brought up the same subject, yep. and Warren put a big thing in there about you know I've been on the board since the beginning. Yep. Um, I guarantee you all the money is accounted for. I mean he it was good. It was it was really good because we read it out loud what Warren wrote. Yeah. And, well, and it's just the people that get upset, I can almost guarantee aren't U.S. Arc members. Oh, yeah. And they're not giving any money, and they're not doing anything. Nope. Uh, when we talk to Ryan, Ryan gets really upset because they have the little button that you have to uncheck when you ship uh, ship your reptiles. Yep. yep. And uh, they'll uncheck it to not give money. 61%, yep. I think Ryan said. It was a, high, it was a yeah. ridiculous percent. It was over half. Uh, I, don't, I don't get it. And I also don't get the ones that are like, well, I don't have a membership because I give here. Like, well, give both. There's one dude doing the job that the entire country needs him yeah. to do this job. I mean, how many reptile keepers do we assume are in the U.S.? Oh, there's million? a lot. It's 5 million households. Yeah, so 5 million households. Figure whatever, 2.3 people in every house. Right. That's over 10 million people have some type of pet reptile. And I actually think that number's low, but that's the American Pet Products Association does that survey and gets that number. Just imagine if they did the $5 membership. Every one of those did even the $5. Even a dollar. The dollar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, then we would not be nearly as worried about PETA in the humane society. Like, we could be on the same. It's crazy. I just, I don't get it. That's, our daughter got her membership yesterday. She's our, pumped about at that. At shows like this, uh, Phil, are you seeing mostly vendors signing up? Or are you getting, custom, like, people who are just keepers coming at, by? At shows, our general memberships are usually keepers. Um, the That's vendors good. are all, I mean, they're donating at the auction. Yeah, we should all be members way. already. I was we, say, I feel yeah. like yeah. we probably are, yeah. Yep. In fact, you, I got the email this morning that my membership expires in two days. So which I means mine's coming up in <laughs> about three weeks. Um, I, as you walk around the show, you'll see a lot of signs on vendors' booths that, mm -hmm. you yes. know, we support U.S. ARC or members well, of U.S. ARC. I made one for Jack and Heidi. That, I don't know if you remember about a oh, year yeah. ago. Yep. I yep. asked you for permission. Um, then it's for them, and it's, you know, we, uh, they, and they do. They, they donate a percentage of every sale to U.S. ARC and the Herbst Family Foundation. Mm -hmm. yep. Awesome. 
Yeah, it's the, the one. The big thing we talked about so many households on reptiles. They've become a far more common pet. Oh yeah. You know, it used to be that it was just the weird guys with tattoos and beards on reptiles, but now moms are coming in buying beer, dragging with the little kids. And so those are the people that we really need to get to understand what's going on, and they need to join U.S. Art because those are the ones that really will make change. Yeah. It's hard for the hardcore reptile people to make change. Because don't look like people <laughs> can go up to people and talk to them. Because now, if you know, you buy a little Johnny a crested gecko, and then you get transferred to Florida or Ohio or whatever this passes, you sorry, you, you can't, can't take, your take pet it with you. you. Uh, yeah. You and, just and became look, a federal criminal if you well, take it with and, you. Yeah. And I'll be honest, there's there is something to be said for the moms. Oh yeah. That can be on your side. <laughs> they they get shit done. Well, you know what like, group I've really seen <laughs> really blown up. I, I don't know how, but I'm in a chicken group. Yes. <laughs> and these, these freaking chicken are ladies crazy. are those are the ones to get the oh, yeah. agriculture people. So yeah. we oh, actually yeah. have one that I work with, and she like they show their chickens, oh, and yeah. like she's borderline obsessed because she and i actually grabbed a paper off the u.s arc table and i was i'm gonna take it to her to show her yeah. and be like because hey like, can you spread this and, word you know and, they're yeah. exotics sure and a lot of the stuff she has are the exotic harder to find chickens and yeah that was um that's a problem i saw one of our friends from goliath arachnids who also does birds said she was seen on some of the parrot boards that they're when they see this from u.s arc they're assuming that the reptile community is blowing it out of the wild. Like, it's, it's not as big as it is, and it's not going to affect them. And I guess that's the hurdle we got to get. Go, guys! It's you too. It's you also. You've yeah. got to join in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they haven't been through it before, so it, right. again, this is their first so, time knocking on their door. But yeah, it, it literally affects anything that's not a dog. Well, could affect anything that's not a dog cat or the, the way I understand. The way I understand it, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service will be able to create this white list and put whatever they want on it with zero. Um, uh, due process. Yeah, so there, there's really three parts of it. I'll try and be as quick as I can to explain them. The first thing that's going to happen literally overnight would be the large constrictor snakes and 201 species of salamanders and anything else that's already on the injurious species list could not be transported across state lines. That's not just cells, that's any transportation. Like you said, a family moves, they can't take their animals with them anymore. The second thing is a whitelist that you just mentioned. So FWS is going to look at what's been imported in minimal quantities but we don't know what that minimal quantities is yet. So that could be 100,000 animals or it could be 10,000. If it doesn't meet that threshold that FWS comes up with at a later date, it's it's not going to be on that white list and will essentially be on a blacklist or a ban list. And then we're worried that anything not on that white list will also be actually listed as injurious, which means you can't transport it across state lines. And FWS will have a new emergency designation so they can literally list a species and the next day it would be illegal to move it across oh, state shit. lines. With no yeah. notice. No, no, notice. no public that, hearings, no. nothing. But that's how all wildlife Ooh. and fisheries things do. They leave everything open-ended so that they can make laws up as they go along. Sure. I mean, that's, and unfortunately, and if, if y'all weren't there to do that, we would have lost snakes and all the stuff forever ago. Because yep. as, a, as a general group, we're not great at all coming together on yeah. one thing. Yeah. We're really great at all disagreeing on, <laughs> on things. This is something that, like, every time I, I hear you talk about this or somebody else talk about this, in my mind, all I can imagine is some, like, post-apocalyptic book that I've had to read for an English class or something. Like, this is this is what it all seems like. The, well, this, if this passes, this could be apocalyptic for uh, Our entire everybody hobby here. and anyone yeah. that owns anything I mean, other than a dog or a cat. I don't, I don't know who made it, but there's a hashtag... 
petpocalypse going around now. <laughs> yeah. And someone yes. created a flyer about these Lacey Act amendments. Really? And it actually has U.S. Arc down at the bottom. says, check us out from what I, I don't know who it is. But, yeah, it says hashtag petpocalypse <laughs> like, at the top of it. That's all I can think of. It's insane. Well, and the other crazy part is that y'all are so busy that you had to start a Florida version just for Florida. So, like, people say U.S. Arc. If you live in Florida, there's also a U.S. Arc just Florida. Yeah. Because they're under so much attack yep. as well. And we don't recommend that for every state, but the writing was on the wall that for years to come, unfortunately, uh, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission is going to have a target on reptile keepers. So we said, these guys, you got to get your own group started. So it's just like U.S. Arc. It's a 501c6. It's all nonprofit. Unfortunately, at this point, it's the same situation we had for years that the board of directors are actually the ones that were paying over half of what's going into their revenue right now. So hopefully as support comes for those guys, they've they won one lawsuit already. Uh, they've got a second lawsuit still ongoing. So, I mean, they're, they're paying. And, it, and it's an uphill time. battle there just because you've got you got the iguanas, you got the Burmese, you've got things that have already been yep, there. Yep. And uh, well, and you have the media that blows that out of proportion. Yep. Yeah. And the 100%. misinformation. The, yeah, the Burmese pythons got there because little Johnny didn't like his snake and let it go, which is not how that happened. Yep. Right. And, you know, but, and, but no one talks about the monkeys or the birds or everything yep. else that lives there or the fish. or. Yep. And Florida does have some issues. I mean, let's be real. We don't, oh, yeah, no, we don't sure. deny that. Sure. We say that the berm shouldn't be there. Um, but and So two things. First of all, industry asked for tegus to be regulated almost 15 years ago. We have been harping and harping on FWC to do something about tegus for, again, well over a decade. And they finally got around to it, and they throw this ban at us. So rather than listening to us 15 years ago when we wanted to do something, they waited till it got so bad that they knew that they would be able to pass a ban. So for industry is fine, especially in a place like Florida, with some species that possibly need to be regulated. But this all-out ban that we're not okay with. And, and secondly, again, Florida has issues that Montana and California and Arizona and Maine and New Jersey, wherever you are, you don't have to worry yeah, about the right. things that Florida needs to worry about. So it should have been a state issue, yeah. never a federal issue. And they always jump to ban. That's always the first, like, ah, we'll just ban it. Yep. But never, like, let's try and fix it or figure out the issues. Just ban it, and that'll fix the problem. Because yep. that's never made a criminal out of anybody. From what I've seen in the hearings and stuff, the commission, they just don't even listen. I mean, they don't even, they're just They legally them. have them. Yeah, they have them because they have to, but they're just like, whatever. You know, minds our minds are made up. Made up. Yeah. Well, That's I think sad. One of the big problems we have in the hobby is that a lot of folks, when you say that this could go through and they could end up saying that we can't have this, this, and this, so people go, well, that can't happen. <laughs> I've <laughs> seen that a bunch on this, and people or, are like, this will never pass. Or There's too many. it this, won't this affect me. That people are like, this would devastate the hunting industry because of the big game and I'm like, yeah, it will. Yeah, you're right. You should, you should worry. So you need to, we need to get those people on board too. And uh, yeah, there was a, several people that have posted in some of the groups about, you guys are blowing this out of proportion. It'll never pass. And I'm like, you don't understand. This is attached to a good bill. Yep. This time, that you know might that has a better than average chance of passing. Yeah, and that's another thing that was kind of misunderstood too is we were never opposing the America Competes Act. We are not opposing right. HR 4521. These Lacey Act amendments are literally one well with all the amendments that were added at the end less than 1% of that bill. So there were over 200 amendments that were added while it was on the floor. I haven't even seen the final version of it yet, but now it's probably over 4,000 pages. <laughs> so who, the Lacey Act amendments it? are only 3 pages. I actually forget the congressman's name, but the problem we had was, so this bill actually was introduced last summer as HR 4521 with a different name. I remember that. The, the bioeconomy something. Uh, so again, it was supposed to be about economic strength. 
it actually sat without a hearing for six, seven months. And then when it came back, it had all these other sections added to it uh, that never went to committee. They were never heard. They were never voted on in committee. They were just the first times that the entire House saw them was on February uh, 28th, or I mean January 28th, which wow. was the same day we put out our alert. Yep. I guess I'm the other big issue you have to face is that most people don't understand how government works. And I, I'll be one of them half the time to get it, but you know, they don't understand how these amendments get added they in. They're new politicians, yeah. so it's okay to <laughs> not understand. That's true. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's the crazy thing is that there's a bill for one thing, and then they're like, while we're here, yep. let's just go ahead and throw in all, all these writers on it. Yeah. yeah, none of this has to do anything with what we're here for, and none of y'all are going to read it because you didn't read the first bill, yeah. and we throw it in. Yep. And so that's what I think people understand. Like, they, they assume politicians are, are working, for one, and they assume that they're reading everything that's put in front of them. And so they, they saw this show up in there, and they should they would know better than to sign off on that. So, yeah, you don't have to listen to me. I'm just some guy talking on a podcast, but there are actual videos about this America Competes Act by the politicians, by congressmen and women saying they're actually calling out their other fellow politicians saying, how many of you actually read the 3,000 pages of this bill? I mean, yep. they're actually calling them out. Yeah, saying, Dan Crenshaw did that. I saw it the other day. Uh, some of them are saying, I did, and they're calling out the po other politicians saying, how many of you actually sat down and read through this? It's it's a scary thing. You, do you remember that girl, Melissa, that worked with us, that hung out with us on, at yeah. Stafford? You know, uh, she moved to Colorado. She has managed to get a meeting with her with a senator. Yep. This week, like she, she went to the office and was like, "I'm not leaving until you give me a time to meet with him." Wow. This, she's a little blonde girl awesome. and she's tough, and she's got a meeting on Tuesday with with uh, one of the senators from Colorado. Yeah, that's great, and some people, uh, I've been looped in on some some meetings with senators already, and even some people representatives because they may have known them before, so it doesn't hurt to go in and talk to them. So, right. but you at least got to try, just call in and ask if you can have a meeting. Some are obviously less busy than others, yeah. Um, yeah. So they may have more of an opportunity to speak to you. Actually, now a lot of them will be going back to their, their home offices for two weeks because they're going to take a recess. Yep. So right now would actually be an opportune time to reach that, out. And she knew that. Yep. And that's why she was like, he could find time in the next two weeks to yep. meet with me. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. What was her name? Melissa Ehrman. Thank you, Melissa. And yep. if people want to go through USR through the website to, to, to try and do something, what can they do? Yeah, so it's super easy. We got the alert. Again, we tried... There's a lot to this bill, but we tried to break it down in as few words as possible. We could have written a lot more on it, yeah. <laughs> but we tried to keep it short and sweet. It's still a little bit to sit down and read, uh, but we got it all right there. We have a sample letter. Um, if you don't want to copy and paste a sample letter below that, we have like 20 or 21 talking points. You can actually just copy and paste some of those and send some of those out. Um, it's got a link to go and find your senator. And there's actually some other groups that have uh, an alert system where you can just put in your name address and it automatically finds your senator and sends mm -hmm. out an email. That's a little bit easier process, but it's a little bit more effective if you go through an alert like ours. It'd take you an extra minute, yeah. but to actually go through the legislator's website and send it that way usually gets more eyes on it than using a simpler system, yeah. even though USARC may be coming out with a simpler one here in about a month if we need to. Um, but it's important to do, if you can, do the simple alert, do the one that takes an extra minute, and then don't just email. That's another huge thing right now. We're hearing that they're literally getting tens of thousands of emails about just the Competes Act. Yeah. We need phone calls, mailed letters, and faxes. Okay. Um, and yeah. that's all in the U.S. Archive. I'll do that this week. Messenger yep. pigeons, smoke signals, yep. because anything. Because <laughs> I wrote emails to Ted Cruz and yep. John Cornyn from yep. the position of a business owner that's going to get devastated. Awesome. Yep. And uh, then send it in a mail it in slope, snail mail. I'm going to. I'll do that on tomorrow. Yeah. That, that's – well, I'm like – while you're sitting there listening to this on the toilet, because you know there's someone's <laughs> playing on their phone on the toilet, just go to usarc.org and, and do this. Go yep. ahead, fill it out while you're sitting there, doing nothing else. It costs you nothing. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it just... And I, while you're there, donate some money. 
that's true. <laughs> Go ahead, get your five, get a five dollar membership. That's, I mean, just do the, just do the anything, yeah. any little thing will help. A lot of work. Even the process we have that I'm calling the slow process. I mean, if you're pretty savvy on your phone and cop, it's literally 45 seconds to a minute. Yeah. To do. Someone who's not as good. Um, it may take two or three minutes. If you're on your computer, even with what I'm calling our slow alert, you can still do it in 30 or 45 yeah. seconds. Stop playing Candy Crush for a second. <laughs> there you go. And send, an, uh, send a message. Yeah. All right, Phil. Well, we really appreciate you being on. We've had you on for about 20 minutes, and I know that your booth yes. probably needs you. No, yes. I can sit here because that means I'm not over there. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like I'm the one guy that's not good. Just, like, no, I have people there. We're good. I, I will say a couple things if I can go. No, go Absolutely. Sure. No, you're fine. Since, again, the re reptile people in our world, the herp world are the ones who have been through all this before. One of the ways they're pushing this in Congress is, this is where the mammal people need to listen. They're pushing this as a way to stop the next pandemic. Um, they're saying that they can, you know, stop importation of certain mammal species to stop the next pandemic. And reptile and amphibian people don't need to worry about that. Reptiles and amphibians are not carrying viruses that people can catch. But again, that, that's one thing the, the mammal people need to wake up to. And the other thing is for these injurious listings, there's no percentage of the U.S. that something has to be injurious. And injurious is very similar to invasive. So if a species can be invasive anywhere in the U.S. and cause some type of problem, um, whether it's the agriculture, even if it's eating crops, um, you know, that's some type of damage. Yeah. Even, again, there's no percentage. So this doesn't have to affect 50% or 25% of the U.S. Again, for the big snakes, the, even the science they had for reticulated pythons showed the Brownville's, Brownsville area of Texas and the southern four counties in Florida was it for the continental U.S. And the federal government still made it illegal to move those animals across state lines. Well, what was it? The Wow. The geological survey where yeah, they said so they could get up, was it Tegus or Burmese? One of them could get to, like, Maryland. Yeah, so that was the flawed, the extremely flawed part of that study. Yeah, it said that Burmese pythons could live in southern Maryland. I mean, that's just crazy. <laughs> it, had, it had the southern one. That, so that, that they, study was so flawed. And there's actually more. So, first of all, that study was not peer-reviewed, and it never should have been used to, to do that uh, constrictor rule. But there's been actually multiple peer-reviewed science studies that have come out now saying that that USGS study was complete. Well, they're dying so, when it's cold in South Florida. So, I've actually used that study in my classroom when we talk about cause and effect and when the kids have to write to explain their evidence on things. I'm an English teacher. And I've used that study, and I'm like, all right, guys, why could this not work? Let's make some inferences. And so it's really cool to be able to spread that knowledge to even the younger generation. Yeah, if elementary and kids if can do it. And 10-year-olds can figure out why this is not going to work, I mean, come and on, y'all. The lead author for anybody with a scientific background listening, the lead author on that bill actually, I believe it was 1996, published a paper about how to create science for a predetermined outcome. So basically, he wrote a paper on how to, you find your conclusion first, and then this is how you alter your science to, to come to that wow. conclusion. No. And that was the lead author on that. I've US been teaching study. science wrong for years. Yeah. <laughs> you find your answer first, oh, and then you do damn. the science. That, that makes science you so much easier. whole curriculum now, James, oh, and get all the other science plan. teachers on board at your school. Uh, yeah, so whenever my kids are like, mermaids are real, y'all already said mermaids are real, so now we just got to pretend it. they're real. Figure it out. Wow, that, that's great. One always got me was it was the U.S. geological stuff. Like y'all study rocks. Shut the hell up. <laughs> you are a rock scientist. Don't tell me how far. According Burmese to Sheldon Cooper, that's like the low rung. <laughs> oh, that's so. right. Sheldon, Sheldon's here now. Oh, oh, that man. that whole thing was crazy. I, I I had something else I was gonna say, and then Katie. That was a good question. I just can't remember. Mine was way to go, Katie. I apologize. Um. Oh, I know. So how do you? I'm you're. I'm, it's, a battle, I'm sure, also when people try to back up PETA and Humane Society, because because to the general public, they seem like good guys. Yeah. 
but but to us who have had to face them for years realize the true battle. So what is your, I guess, your politically correct way of trying to handle that situation? Unfortunately, there's, I hate political correctness when it comes to those <laughs> groups. But first, so PETA is an animal rights group, and that's really one of the main problems. The masses don't know what animal rights means. Animal rights means the removal of all animals from our lives. It means no pets. It means no eggs from chickens, no milk from cows. It means it actually even means no honey from bees. Yep. That's what animal rights is. And people get that confused so often with animal welfare. So that's what all of us on this podcast and you know most people in the animal world are is it's it's treating animals humanely. Yes. You're you're not an animal rights activist, you're an animal welfare advocate. So what really bothers me is when you see somebody who actually has pets or has horses or whatever it is and they call themselves an animal rights person, they don't understand animal rights because if they knew what animal rights meant, they would not have those animals. Well, yeah, because they don't want you to have dogs, cats, anything. Yeah, they they, they hate zoos. I, I used to be a zookeeper, and so like yep. PETA's the bane of existence as a zookeeper. About two years ago, was uh, picking up some feeders at a pet store in League City at Rainforest. And when I, it was a Saturday, and we were going to my wife's parents' house around the corner. But we decided to stop at Taco Bell on the way and get something to eat. So I pull in a Taco Bell, and this car pulls in behind me and blocks us in and gets out. And we're like, we want to know what you're going to do with those rats. And I'm like, I'm going to feed them to a snake. And they're like, and they started like screaming and how uh, yep. terrible and we're PETA and we're this and that. And we're going to put your, put out who you, you want my information? Here's my name. I don't yeah. care. And uh, I told them, I said, you need to understand you're in Texas and you're blocking me in. <laughs> you need to get out of my way. Otherwise, I'm going to make you move, and it might be the last thing you do. And, well, and uh, I've always, I've always said, Pete is a, it's a terrorist organization. I don't care how they want to label themselves. Sure, they are a terrorist organization. They are. They're labeled by the FBI as a, a domestic terrorist. Yeah, yeah. And yet, they get tons of money. Yeah. That, yeah. They, that's the crazy thing is, U.S. Arc is out here doing something good. Peta, who is labeled as terrorist, we're like, yeah, just give them money. Yeah, let's. I want to make sure I cover that. I got to cover my bases there. So. <laughs> PETA is big on hiring people who are coming from groups like the Animal Liberation Front and Earth Liberation Front that are labeled by the FBI yeah. as terrorists. So. There you go. So people in PETA <laughs> yeah. have been yeah. on a list. Yep. Like, I was always amazed that the Whale Watch or whatever, that they got their own show. The show? Yeah. And we're going to go out and we're going to commit acts of piracy. Yes. <laughs> and then we're going to... We're going to glorify these acts of piracy. But see, and the problem is... They, I can't believe they ran over their boat. <laughs> I, I can't. Can. Yeah. The problem is they, they hide what is a good message. We should save the whales. Sure. But then they do it the wrong way, whereas U.S. Ark is out here trying to do it the right way. Well, and your dad in our group chat the other night when we had Ryan and Bill on, he was very... Because your dad is very pro-gun, yeah. pro-gun rights. And, and, and they've been facing this like, kind of issue for forever. And he was yeah, like, you have to do this forcefully, but you have to be polite about it. Like, you yeah. can't just Res go in. Forcefully, but respectfully. You have yep. to be respectful, but you. But at the same time, you can't just roll over and let them do whatever you want. Like, you've got to go in with a purpose and stick to that purpose and, you know, stick to your guns for So when I'm in Texas, words. <laughs> my elevator talk, someone sees the logo on the shirt, they're like, what is U.S. Arc? I said, do you know what the NRA is? Or like the NRA for people who keep reptiles. <laughs> That's a great elevator <laughs> pitch. <laughs> that exactly. needs to be on a shirt right there. I need a... When I've been I'm, working when on I'm in Texas. I need a, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to yeah. work that on a shirt It doesn't for work so that. well in New York. That's not going to... Yeah. Yeah. They're like, the NRA? Oh, yeah, we should shut you down, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's my... You always get the talk. We talked about the, the wording on here. And they're trying to say it's uh, injurious and all that, and then invasive. But obviously, they never focus on cat. You talked about if you have dogs and cats, it'll be fine. And the most invasive species we have in the entire country is cats. And that and that never gets put on any list yeah, anywhere. Yeah, it's weird. So even the state agencies have the same problem. So cats and dogs are 
horses, cattle, they're domesticated, so usually those go through a Department of Agriculture. So technically, FWS doesn't really have authority over cats, even though a lot of them are wild cats now. They're wild animals. They're sure. feral. They're oh, running yeah. around. I want you to go up and try and pet a feral cat. <laughs> yeah. Yes. See how your arm looks when you come back. Yeah. Bring the nub back. I always tell folks, I'm like, when they say they have a cat, like, well, does it live inside? No. Do you oh, just feed it outside? Oh. You don't have a cat. You're just feeding wild animals. Yeah. That's like when someone tells me, oh, if I got attacked by a mountain lion, I would, I would beat it until it said i'll tell you what go try and pick up that 10 pound cat that doesn't want you to pick it up (laughs) now try that 100 pound cat and let me know how that works out for you no joke well and and even so we talked earlier about some of the groups that aren't worried about they think that we're we're being ridiculous like the bird groups i think it's still on the books i know it was at one point georgia you couldn't own quaker parrots multiple states because they could live in the wild that was their that was that's the basis where we live yeah that's the basis on how they choose it, because it can live in the wild. I'm like, well, a lot of things can live. like that's. And that's what he was saying earlier, that if it can live and survive yeah. anywhere in the world, it could be put on, or anywhere in the U.S., it can be put on that list. And y'all aren't, I'm assuming y'all aren't against some sort of regulation, but yeah, you, yeah. you're definitely Certainly against not. an outright ban. Right, correct. And so I think that's another part is we have a lot of people in our, go to, go to the gun-wise, we have a lot of people in our hobby that are very much like that. They're, you can pry it from my cold, dead hands. And so regulation is not in their vocabulary. Yeah. Um, but it's got to be done at some point or else we face this again. Like, we've got to agree, look, we can regulate some stuff. Ha- have they said what the penalties will be for violating that yet? Oh, yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a federal uh, crime. It's, uh, I believe, $20,000, up to $20,000 fine and up to five years in prison. Per animal or period? They, yeah, if they wanted to cite you for multiple. Yeah. So if little Susie takes her crested gecko across state lines, she's now a federal criminal for moving well, to the state. thing you got a citation for yeah for selling selling car that, that ended up in texas yeah. i could see them trying to pin that back on you you know oh i need us not to lose this then yeah yeah well it's not going to be retroactive to when <laughs> yeah. you sold that oh you, you don't know fish and wildlife find a way to do that yeah <laughs> you never it may, know. it may be written in there that they can just go back and punish everybody in the past and that you know i just listened joe rogan had um the spokesman for the innocence project on a couple days ago uh, Josh Dubin, and Josh is a, an attorney who you know argues cases in federal court, and he he was talking about um, how the, the federal courts are so biased for uh, for the federal prosecutors that it's unreal. Like the, the way they do jury selection, you can't voir dire voir dire jury uh, unless the judge allows you, and none of the judges allow you to do that, and um, how. It's daunting to have the full weight of the federal government against you because they have unlimited resources and and they have the attitude of we do what we want and they kind of do. And we're going to win. Yeah. So And it is. It's all about winning and losing. Yeah, 100%. For prosecutors and stuff, it's about winning and losing. It's not oh, about yeah. what's right. Yep. 100%. I have one last question, and it's really not that important. I just think it's funny. Did you expect the blowback on your logo when you changed your logo? That, that had to be the, the farthest from your mind. You were like, nah, people will be all right. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't that much, honestly. There was a few people, um, but, yeah, it, it wasn't that good. But for to look professional and to go anywhere, the new logo is so much oh, yeah. better. Cause I the, love it. I mean, the problem was even the old logo, I would go to a legislator's office, and they would be like, what does that say? 
reptile people knew it said U.S. Ark, but when you have a logo that people who aren't familiar with you, yeah. they can't even read the letters of the logo, obviously. The, the old logo's great on the back of a shirt at a reptile yeah. show. I, I mean, mean, it's still great on clothing. It's, it's great for reptile people, but the thing with yeah. U.S. Ark, we're not selling t-shirts to reptile people. That's not our business. Yeah. We're talking right. to legislators yeah, exactly. right. and working to protect your freedom, so we would. it's better to have a logo that people can read. <laughs> I mean, Earl liked it so much, he got a tattooed on his arm. Earl. Oh. <laughs> yes, he, he told did. me he was going to do that. And, oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's got, so, so he's got uh, Venom Life on his leg. That's so, so, funny. so now, now Philly can't change it or else Earl has to get a tattoo uh, removed. We'll have to get a cover-up we'll <laughs> yep. cover for He'll Earl. He'll just add to it. He'll be like, this is the retro. Yeah. I think and we should come out with a, a new fake logo just to just <laughs> just just share Earl. Oh, Earl. Earl. I'm sorry. That was just a temporary new logo. <laughs> just change the color a little bit. or <laughs> We're, we're going to change it every 12 months. Yeah. <laughs> Earl will be covered with U.S. Arc. <laughs> every time you see the progression of the logo on Earl. That'd be great. Uh, I don't know. Earl's running out of space, so... <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Phil, thanks for coming over here. Yeah, awesome. thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank, we, uh, thank you. This it's whole good to meet been, you in person. Yes. <laughs> and this whole thing has been has been all over the internet, and it needs to be all over. It needs to be everywhere for people to see. And so we're trying, I hope everybody who has a platform can get the word out, because the more times people hear it, maybe they'll finally realize, oh, no, it is something real, and it's not just some make-believe thing that we're pretending is going to happen. Uh, but yeah. but ho hopefully... I, this one scares me more than anyone in the past has. Yeah. Yeah, it's big, and this whitelist is a whole new thing. And people well, who aren't familiar with white whitelists are just bad. Yes. I mean, we usually talk about blacklist or species that are banned. A whitelist usually makes it far more limited because uh, there are literally tens of thousands of animal species that are found in trade, especially when you get into fish. Oh, yeah. um, there are so many thousands of species of fish. So the problem is, well, one, FWS agents aren't going to be able to tell the difference, especially like cichlids. Hundreds or thousands of species of just cichlids. Yeah. And you expect them to be able to identify, especially baby cichlids, like oh. which species is this? Right. Oh, this one. So anyway, all those that just end up not being on the whitelist, which means they're not going to be able to be imported into the U.S. Oh, yeah, that's, that's another, like, Fish and wildlife people, everybody assumes that those guys are experts in their in their job. I, I had them come to my house once because when you talk about I, I sold a carpet python in Louisiana, which apparently you have to have a permit because they added it years after I realized. Anyways, they came into my snake room. I had to educate these two guys on every snake I had. They thought samboas were going to be big boas. Well, they're like, oh, like, these are samboas. Those are boa constrictors? No, they're samboa. <laughs> and I actually had one protected animal out of Louisiana pine snake. So I opened it. I was, this is a Louisiana pine snake, but it's captive bred. Oh, like. They go, oh, yeah, we know the guy that you got that from because he knows where it came from. Like, like, that guy's on their radar. Yeah. But they didn't know anything else in there. So I was like, they, they, don't, they, they don't know these laws. They don't know. They, they know what they're told. But they're there to enforce them. It took yeah. Texas Parks and Wildlife a year and a half to get the word out to the game wardens that timber rattlesnakes and indigos were no longer protected. I had a game warden stop me or contact me because of a Facebook post of a relocation on a timber and wanted to write me a citation, and I had to show him, no, you need to go look up Texas Administrative Code 43.113 and look at the list of, of, of animals that, well, yeah, but our legislative update said they're still protected. <laughs> they got a legislative update from TPWD attorneys nine months after it, was outdated. after it was outdated that still said they were, and uh, luckily he was not an ass, and he made a few phone calls, and he came back and said, man, you're right. Yep. I was like, I, I know. So, yeah, that's, that's an important point. So I, I know it can be frustrating just like when you get pulled over by a, a traffic cop. Mm -hmm. But be civil and polite. Yep. And, yes. and, and that it goes so far. So be familiar with your laws. And, again, realize how many laws. I mean, the books that these law enforcement officers have to know are just thick and thick and thick. Yeah. Thousands of pages. And of they're stuff. hard well, to read. So what they all of our listeners know that you don't know is I was a police officer for 12 years. Yep. So I understand that the side of the road is not the place to try the case. Yeah. 
But luckily he was, we were having a dialogue about it. And I said, look, man, I don't want to be disrespectful. I said, but that law has been changed and they've been removed. And, but then of course now Texas has whitelisted them. And if you have a, a, if you have a non, non-game dealer permit, you can't collect one. You can't collect one? No, you can't collect one because it's assumed that you're going to breed it to sell. Oh, jeez. But, but you, like, you couldn't move it off the road either, right? Is that right. one of those yeah, you can't Texas, touch it? Yeah, if it's on the road or even the right-of-way of the road, you're not supposed to touch it. You, you can watch a truck run over an indigo, but you can't actually save that indigo before the truck hits it legally. We have the same law in Indiana for box turtles, so our eastern box oh. turtles are endangered. And actually, just a few weeks ago, I made a traffic maneuver that I probably should not have made <laughs> and got pulled over because I saw a box turtle trying to get across the road. But I told the officer, I said, officer, I see dead box turtles on this road all the time. They're endangered species in Indiana. I explained to him what I was doing. He actually just gave me a warning and let me go. But, uh, yeah, it's t- like you said, yeah. um, you can watch them get run over by, by trucks, but you're not supposed to pull over and touch well, them. Well, we, we found out road. from, uh, I don't know, Terry Herring. I'm sure you oh, know yeah, Terry. Yep. Terry and his wife went herping in South Texas this year, or West Texas, and uh, they got stopped by a game warden, and they had a sub-op that they had caught. And uh, the one young game warden told the other one, yeah, that looks like the snake, the fake snake we put on the road. And Terry was like, wait a minute. You guys are, are doing like, like what you do with a deer? Where a poacher shit, yeah, we put them on the road, and then we set up on it, and if people stop and pick it up, we write them a ticket. I'm yeah. like, geez, there's enough Boy. criminals out there. We don't need to manufacture but it's just crazy. Like, You can't save that. That shows you that this legislation is never for actual conservation. That's not what it's for. Because if it was for conservation, you wouldn't mind if I picked a snake up and moved it to the grass. Yep. Yeah, 100%. You know, that's... And that's, I mean, we're all we're all guilty until proven innocent. I mean, how many of us, again, how many of us at this show, whatever we got, 4,000 people in the room right now or whatever it is, we're all going to pull over and move a box turtle across the room. 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Legal, how many? But we're looked at as, oh, that person's picking that box turtle up to take it home and, yeah. and keep it. Because Texas defines hunting as killing, taking, harvesting. So they consider picking up, yep. just like with the roadkill in Texas. Uh, you can't pick up roadkill without a game warden giving you um, a wildlife resource document. And uh, I had an, uh, about a year about a year ago, yeah. there was an otter killed right in front of my neighborhood, hit, and it was in pristine condition. And so I'm like calling every game warden. I'm like, I want to harvest this otter and do you know skin it and and make something out of it. I couldn't get any of them to t- uh, tell me. I couldn't even get them to call me back. There's like six game wardens in our county. Um, I, it happened in the parking lot of our county court. I went in and was like, can the judge? Hey, can, he's like, I can't. He's like, it has to be a game warden. And he got a game warden on the phone, and the game warden's like, well, I probably can't make it up there till tomorrow to look at it and make sure I'm like, well, that'll be too late. The, the fur will be slipping and it won't be any good. For I watched that otter just rot away so for like a month. God. So, so quickly, I know we're trying to wrap up, but. <laughs> no, 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 we, I was not at all trying to rush you. I just, no. I know the two of them can talk for hours on this subject, which is fabulous. And I didn't want you to have somewhere that you needed to be and us be the reason. Phil's hiding. There. Leave him alone. Yeah. I mean, by all means, hide away. So, uh, unfortunately, we're talking about guilty until proven innocent. And, unfortunately, that's how we all get painted. Um, yeah. There are bad actors. It doesn't matter what law is passed. There's going to be people who are breaking whatever new law oh, there yeah. is. But we, that's what U.S. ARC does. We always hate to see collective punishment. So, if you're a responsible person and you want to keep a reticulated python and you have the resources and ability to do that, you should be able to do it. If you're going to have a large enough cage and you're going to be responsible for that animal for 30 or 40 years, you should be allowed to, but you shouldn't be banned and have no opportunity to do that just because someone else may have done it improperly. Yeah. So again, that's collective punishment, punishment of the whole because of the few, and that's something we're totally against. And that yep. seems to be how most and balls are written. Though, it's written. un-American. It, it, I mean, at, at the core, it is un-American. Absolutely un-American. Yeah, yep. one person. I mean, North Carolina is seeing that right now, and y'all are having to face 
deal with that. One person screwed up, and now everyone else is suffering from one. God, I bet when that story broke, you were like, "Son of a bitch." I bet you were just like, I'm not leaving the house today. Yep. I don't know if you saw it. Unfortunately, there's another one. There's a guy who just got arrested on Friday, I think, in Grand Prairie. That's like five minutes from here. Oh, really? Yep. That's where Andy lives. That's literally so, the next town over from yeah, Arlington. Get ready for that. <laughs> Shit. He, the Cobra disappeared six, eight months ago. He notified the authorities. They tried to find it. They still haven't found it. They think He thinks it crawled in the wall and died. Um, See, but at least he notified the authorities. Right. That's my, the other one, that was my biggest issue. I was like, all right, I get it. But we all fuck up. Texas has, but, I think it's a class A misdemeanor to, to even. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't have his permit either. Uh, yeah, he, he was okay. permitted to. Well, fuck yeah. it. He yeah. screwed up too, <laughs> damn it. Because, well, and also their venomous is illegal in, in all of Tarrant County and okay. also in the city of Grand Prairie. So he couldn't have, if he'd had well, that's the permit. Another point. He, was, he had broke three or four laws right. already. Ugh. So now we're going to get another law possibly thrown at us yep. to protect Which is crazy. The world. He, he broke a law that was multiple, on the books. Multiple. He broke multiple. Yeah. multiple. There, there's a law for that. Passing another law is not going to yeah. stop someone from breaking the law. Like, that's not how that works. Yep. You can't, you can't pass more laws to stop right. people from breaking laws if they've already broke laws. Right. At the... I always say drugs have been illegal for a long time. Yeah. Murder's been illegal forever. <laughs> at, the, at the ceiling height, here's a really, and I don't, I don't have an answer, so I probably shouldn't even say it, but our law, we pay lawmakers. That's who runs our country, our lawmakers. If they are not passing laws, they cannot say, they cannot provide a reason for yep. continuing us to pay their salaries. So every year, we're just going to get more laws. That's just how, yeah. uh, how our government is set up. We don't have... We don't have problem solvers that we're was, paying. It's it's yes. lawmakers. Um, so if they're not writing laws and legislation, then yeah. they're not doing their jobs. Every year we get more. No laws. one's trying to so resolve an issue. So what we need to do is we need to change their job description yep. to yep. if you're not writing and passing laws, you are trying to make the laws we already have work more efficiently. That's a, exactly you get paid more to what Josh Dubin said the other day yes. on the podcast. But you get paid more to resolve an issue. Go resolve an issue and fix it. <laughs> Sorry for those of you listening. We just had in a giant. T-Rex with US, with, with US heart stickers, stickers all US, over. With a U.S. heart tramp stamp on the back of it. <laughs> Who knew that T-Rexes had tramp stamps? Oh, gosh. That it, was... it does feel good, and I bet it feels good for you to see so many U.S. heart shirts walking around in here. It, it does, and I, uh, I started the auction out last night by actually apologizing. I said, I see some new faces in the room. I'm sorry you know what U.S. Arc is now if you didn't know previously, but it's good to see you all here. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing. We've got to get the general public to realize it's a good thing. A U.S. Arc is a good thing. Like, yep. and, and stop listening to the two or three people that just have a loud voice saying negative things. We talked about this past week where there was someone posted right away saying that you guys were out, basically out for a money grab and that the... Well, the they started with yeah, the, a, a ball python breeder thought that they found it in the bill where it had been removed and she made this huge post about it and I immediately was like you need to take this down until you verify yep. and then she verified and then deleted all the comments of people saying you need to take this down and then locked it yeah well it's crazy that spread like it spread so much faster than a post from US Arc about the issue I had at least 10 people send me screenshots of it in the first 30 minutes and I'm because I didn't actually see it I got a screenshot of it and I'm like oh and I'm friends with this person on Facebook so I went and looked and James commented and several uh, John Grant who owns a pet store uh, we were all like, you need to stop. And, but then, of course, somebody comments, yeah, I thought this was fishy from the beginning. This is just probably just U.S. Art trying to get a fundraising drive. Uh, there's been a few of those, so I know exactly what you're talking about. It was Amendment 599 by Representative Crawford out of Arkansas. It actually would have removed Section 71102 from the America Competes Act. The amendment was introduced, but it didn't pass it. Right. It, it didn't go from the House. It didn't get voted to be out on, out on the bill. So, yeah, it was introduced, but it, it wasn't attached to the bill. So... 
there's a website that lists all of the amendments and there were multiple people, like you said, who just saw that, that this amendment was introduced, but they didn't realize that it didn't pass with the bill and didn't remove well, section 71102. This breeder actually lives in Arkansas, and that's her rep. <laughs> yeah. So she called the rep, and they were like, the reps, you know, one of their people was like, no, it didn't pass. Right. And, yeah. and she edited it and said that, but I'm like, yeah. but and the damage is. But uh, these people have to feel like they're better than U.S. ARC and better than lawyers that are actually doing like, right for a job to realize right. how to do this stuff. Because yes. that was my comment. Do you really think that the people who are looking at this all day, every day, just miss that? I promise it was not just me, even, <laughs> even though I wrote the alert and put the information out there because I was comfortable with what I was saying. This has been vetted by multiple attorneys, people who work in, been in D.C. for decades. So, again, this is also, all vetted. Everything's let's, legit. Let's clarify that. Phil is not the lawyer that is doing this. You're not. You're not a lawyer. I'm not, I'm not no. Lawyer, right. Nope. But I have actually written laws that have passed in over half of the U.S. states. That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. so you're doing a better job than not the all politicians. At the state level, but at city, county, and state level. So yeah, I've I've drafted the language that's actually become law in a whole lot of places. I mean, obviously, it has to go through a process. I just draft the language. Yeah. Well, um, it still has to get voted on by whether it's city council or state legislators or whoever. The city that he teaches in, which is the city next to the one we live in, they have a full-on constrictor ban. Yeah. You can't own a corn snake in that city, yeah. according as I, to their rules. As I was trapped in the parking lot during a homecoming parade and I couldn't get out, I watched this dude just walking down the street with a carpet python and a bow around his hands, and I'm thinking, that's illegal. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, we were looking at opening a pet store at one point, and I started looking at all the cities, um, doing a market study, and I pulled up that law, and I'm like, holy shit, there, there's municipal ordinances. 100% ban. Yeah. 100%. And I know like 10 people live in that city that have snakes. So a lot of those date back to the 60s or 70s. A lot of cities actually have a blanket ban on exotic animals. Yeah. Anything that's not native to that state. Obviously, it's not enforced unless your neighbors call or something and yeah. not knocking around on doors. But yeah, that's in a lot of places, unfortunately. And we've actually amended those, uh, repealed them um, in a lot of cities. But yeah, some cities have that on the books. Our city is so is, is a growing city. And very progressive, and I reached out to city council, and they were like, about opening a store, and they were like, you tell us what you need the laws, our ordinances to say, and we will make it happen. Awesome. As, yeah, as long as you go in and you're civil and professional yep. and you educate them, the yes. problem is whenever they pass the law, whoever passed it wasn't educated. They, sure. A lot of people think constrictor snakes are all... Well, it's all in fear. 300-pound, 30-foot-long monsters. <laughs> and obviously yeah, they all saw the movie right. Anaconda, and that's right. what they all look like. And they're all out to eat us. That's yeah. all they want to do. The snakes want it to It laid next to you in bed, <laughs> measured you up for nights, yeah. and then it's... Like our county oh, is... Our county, our county has a venomous van. So we couldn't, we because yeah, hundred yards well, behind me, I could moving out of that county eventually. hundred yards behind me, I could own a venomous snake. Yeah, literally hundred yards from him, he could own a venomous snake. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. We're, we're one lines. street too far. Yep. Yeah. Well, and so as far as members of USR, we everyone should do it. Another one I just thought about: every mom and pop pet store in the country should be a member of USR. Yeah. All of them, and that's a ton of pet store. Like just think of that alone, and they should all have a sign or something, because again. Yes, you're fighting for reptile keepers, but as we see with this bill, it's exotics in general because it, it, they're going to come after everybody. We've always said when they came after the big snakes, and, and y'all have said it, if, even if you don't own big snakes, that's not the issue. Once they get the big snakes, they'll come after the medium snakes, and then the lizards, and then the small snakes, and then the frog, and they'll come after everything. They'll just, I mean, so every little mom and pop store that sells an iguana, even though they shouldn't sell an iguana, but sells anything, should be a member and should be trying to get more members because it's it's a hard battle. It it really is, and you're you're doing a lot for the hobby. And I don't think I don't think you get enough. You get a lot of credit, and I don't think it's enough though. Um, it's a lot of work. 
perfect. So absolutely, we appreciate you coming on and and talking about this. Awesome. And now you have yep. to go back and actually like do work. You have, you have <laughs> to go earn that. You have to go earn that paycheck that people are upset that you get. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, people. But thanks for coming on, Phil. Uh, yeah, that's it. Bye. We are back. I felt like Robert was going to be kind of the front. Let's see. Anyway. I mean, I ate lunch, and then I made myself walk around some so that I didn't yeah. fall asleep James and I went out and loaded some racks up. So There like, you go. It is cold out there still, in case anybody's wondering. Yes. It's not as bad as it was earlier. No, the it's sun is out. It's only when the wind blows. When the wind blows, it is brutal. And there's not snow falling on us. Yes, now. it yeah. stops snowing. So, we are back with Norm Barrett of Royal Flush Exotics. How's it going, Norm? Oh, uh, it's going. So, Norm, tell us a little bit about what you breed, and then we'll kind of get into some. I know we kind of mentioned you a little earlier with Michael when he was on, but what all do you breed now? Now, I am mostly into bearded dragons, crescent geckos, uh, gargoyle geckos, leopard geckos. That's the main ones right now. Of course, looking for future stuff. Of so you like things that have to eat way too often? I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'd, the, I like things with legs. They just eat way more often than I'm willing to feed things. He actually has a lot of really cute stuff on his table. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's adorable stuff. The leopard geckos are so cute. But they like to eat all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's that's... Bug-wise, you know, it's... With the dubia colonies, I've got... A lot of dubity colonies, but I still don't have enough to to feed, especially the babies when they come along, and I have to subsidize yeah. by going out and buying. We have a leopard gecko in our classroom. I've had her. She's about two years old now, uh, two and a half probably. And my students take care of her. I don't. They, I like they're they're a hundred percent. Sean telling me at the peak of his leopard gecko breeding, he was going through a million crickets a month, and his Ew. paper towel bill was more than his house note. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, imagine that. That's just a lot. That's, that's a lot of work. That's daily work. Right. I, uh, I'm a lazy person, which is why I own snakes. I was going to say, you're not really a lizard person. Or, or tortoises person. that I can eventually put outside and just be like, all right, guys, have Eat fun. Eat some grass. Yeah. Enjoy your grass. Yep. So we were talking earlier with, with Michael, and we got to talking about uh, the idea of having to make plans in case something happens uh, to you with your collection. And he brought you up talking about health issues that you had. And I just wanted to see, if you want to touch on that a little bit and tell us kind of what happened and now how you got back. Because you're back from where you were. You're doing much better now oh, yeah. than where you were. Yeah, October 16th of 2020, I suffered a, uh, a widowmaker. Oh, man. Which is 100% blockage of the LED artery in the heart. Uh, wow. I was at my grooming store that day and I don't remember two days before two days after but I was there I went home had a sandwich and I started being sick and I called my fiance uh, girlfriend at the time and asked her to come home and how far she was and she got home and said I was pacing through the house so she just grabbed me and took me to the hospital in about 15 minutes at the hospital I went into cardiac arrest at least uh, at least wow. got there could you imagine if it happened at home oh that had been it <coughs> that'd have been it I mean I, <coughs> I was actually they <coughs> uh, they called it 45 minutes they Jeez. worked on me for 45 minutes and 
those 45 minutes, the doctor says I was deceased. Wow. So <clears throat> at the end of the 45 minutes, they, <clears throat> the doctor went up to Jen and asked if she could do, or if they could do one last thing, which was give me a blood thinner called 10 case, which is kind of made the same way anti-venom is made. Mm -hmm. But this is a form of the Ecola virus that uh, generated through the, a Chinese dwarf hamster. Oh, wow. wow. And they injected that into me, and I actually bled out of every part of my body for about two, a week afterwards. So it worked. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> and that's what brought you back? That's what brought me back. Got thin enough to get blood through. and yep. get, get me to the hospital where they could put two stints into me and then put me into a hypothermic coma for a week. Fuck. That's, wow. Yeah. Six, about 14% of people that had what I had survived. Oh, my gosh. I have a, one, I have a friend who's an attorney, and his story is very similar. He started feeling sick at the courthouse. He was uh, 39. Started feeling sick at the courthouse. Mm -hmm. Was driving home from Brazoria County Courthouse to his house in Perlian. And uh, pulled over at a gas station and called his, he doesn't remember it either, yeah. called his wife, uh, actually fiance at the time, and said, something is wrong and I don't know what it is. And she said, stay where you're at, I'm calling 911. As the ambulance pulled up, he fell out. Yeah. And same thing, he was, I mean, he was, they had given up on him. And yeah, it's, when I, when he was I, a full widowmaker. When I blanked out, I was actually in the middle of having a seizure. Oh, yeah. I had multiple seizures, multiple strokes, and of course the heart attack. Wow. And so we talked to Michael earlier. After that, I mean, how big was your collection at the time when this happens? I had about 150 snakes between me and my uh, fiance. And they were of different, you know, ball pythons, carpet pythons, Asian rat snakes, North American rat snakes, just a variety of stuff. So those got split up. Um, Michael got my carpets and my African house snakes and oh I got an African house snake from Michael so it probably originated no, those ones didn't originate oh. from me they were originated from another friend of his uh, but he also got uh, some of my ball pythons my het red stuff I was really into the het red examples were my projects with ball pythons yeah uh, my Asian stuff and North American rat snakes they went to John Stoltz uh, from Travis Whistler Reptiles, yeah. and uh, the rest of my ball pythons were split between uh, Joe Ferguson of Oculus, who has those snakes on the table there. Oh, yeah. And um, the rest of them went to Robert and Netta Schinkel of Schinkel Reptiles up in Kansas. And they pretty much all drove. <clears throat> Mike came up got everybody fed water or well pretty much watered and cleaned because i was i was gone for a month wow and i you were in the hospital there and then re, like rehab and stuff uh, no i was in the hospital oh you were in the hospital the whole time <clears throat> yeah yeah these these mics you have to be kind of close to them because <laughs> they're they're directional make, make love to the mic yeah there we go but uh yeah mike came up got those ready got them all bagged and boxed and then everybody pretty much came up that day and pretty much cried for a whole day 
Jeez. I mean, especially because I imagine at that point you're no one's able to talk to you because they put you in a coma uh, relatively soon or how long after? Well, this that was. I was in the hospital for for amazingly only 16 days, but when I got out, I was pretty much couch ridden. I couldn't sleep in my bed because all my ribs and my sternum were cracked. Oh from yeah, from CPR. Our, from CPR. CPR. And they, Mike came up and got it all ready for me. And I, all I did, all I could do was sit on the couch. God, talk I, about I a good friend, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's, Mike and I planned this years ago. If something happened, he would be there to help me with my collection, help me in general. Yeah. But that's the same way I'm with If something were to happen to him, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm. To have the forethought to do that because there's a lot of folks even like you'll see people that are, are young and in great shape still have the same thing i mean things happen like things you don't plan happen they are called accidents yeah. for a reason oh yeah mm-hmm. and that's just, and so you went from that how long was it until you were able to start keeping it because you went you went from snakes to lizards which is a big jump well, to go from i didn't go i actually had those on the back burner gotcha i have a a pet store, so to speak, more of a dog grooming store, but um, I have a friend that helps me there, and she looks after all the lizards. I. Uh, Robert's just talking to. He's being. He made social. friends. This is a social Robert butterfly over there. Sorry. Social butterfly. People aren't used to this That's side John of Feely. Robert. Oh hey. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be on here later. Yeah. Next. <laughs> Sorry. But, yeah, she helps me out. Uh, she loves reptiles. That's awesome. Especially the lizards. So she takes care of them. I do the selling part. I do the breeding part of it. Um, you do the fun part of it. Yeah, she does the work part. <laughs> but, you know, just the projects of what we both want to do. Well, that's awesome. So you've got a real a real network all around with everything, uh-huh. which really makes all that so much easier. Yeah. And, and we talked with Michael earlier. It's very important that people have a have that full network and people need to get out and meet people like come to shows talk to people learn and learn the people that are living around you because it helps you to have those people nearby yeah and a lot of like joe ferguson of oculus um he doesn't like the sales part of it but he loves the animals yeah that's like the guy you get your pines from yes oh yeah he hates he hates hates people right he's not a people person but he loves the animals (laughs) he's damn good at what he does too Definitely, definitely. And so where are you at? Like, So you should get about 150 snakes before this. Where are you at lizard-wise now after this? Uh, probably about the same right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so much more work. 150 lizards is so much more work than 150 snakes. Yeah. it's Well, a lot of our, our breeders are actually in bio setups. Hmm. You know, that takes an incredible amount of work out of Yeah. Yes, you're not cleaning. Absolutely. You're not on paper towel. Like we were talking with Sean Gray earlier with all those lizards on paper towels. Yeah. That's constant cleaning and stuff when you're on paper towels like that. Oh, yeah. Having them on bio, that makes a huge difference. I mean, it's a lot more setup. Well, the trick is you got to have it set up right because so many people do like, I'm going to do bio. And they right. just buy a glass tank and put some dirt in it and like. Oh, yeah. It's not bio. Two weeks later, all their isopods and springtails are dead and it's just the dirt tank. And then now there's growing yeah. mold in the corner and they don't know why. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, my fiance, Jen. She's. She actually has four tokes at home, two breeding pair. Oh, cool. All in bios. Wow. And I was actually talking with the lady this morning about can she Can she hold them? Not by 
twice. <laughs> <laughs> they hold back. They hold back. James's James's face. dream is to find like the one toke that may be calm enough to handle. I've seen pictures online of people holding it's them. It's a unicorn. There's there's a lady that used to walk around NARBC years ago with multiple tokens really? on her. God, they're such a cool looking lizard, but God, they they bite. Oh yeah. Oh, they do, believe me. <laughs> they bite a nipple too, huh? That is true. That did happen at Conrad. Not to me. That was somebody else yeah. that we had. No, that was at Stafford. That Sta- uh, was Stafford. Yeah. We, oh, we, I remember this. We dared someone to let one bite him. We didn't even dare him. We, like, just okay. said, hey, no. we just said, hey, do it. And he was like, okay, pop. And totally could have gotten money out of the deal. Like, yeah. they, these guys would have legit paid I'd given them to a dollar. watch this happen. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know if you paid me enough to have let it bite my nipple. Then it wouldn't let go. It was awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they don't like to let go. Mm-mm. I knew that was going to happen. I had a white line gecko, which is like in the same family as Toke's. I sat there for 30 minutes one day as it held onto my jeans until it just felt like letting go. I was like, <laughs> fucking hated that lizard. <laughs> but, so what's your big project now? What are, we, what are you, out of all the things you have, what is the one thing you're like, oh, I really am excited about this? I'm actually working on the patternless lily white. Well, that'd be cool. Because normally they're like, they're speckled, right? Yeah. So that's the crested for a minute. That's the, it's, it's recessive, isn't it? Yes. It's one of the few recessive things in crested geckos. Mm-hmm. I do know that much. I was going to say, when did you come up with all this knowledge on crested geckos? Because I talked with Nikki from Dixie. Uh-huh. Uh, from Dixie Reptiles inside. I nice. knew that. <laughs> but I knew that Lily White, they're, they're speckled, and it's the one recessive gene. Because most of the things are incomplete dominant. Or no, they're uh, like lime bread stuff. They're, right. It's, yeah, mostly lime bread. And so, but the Lily White, so that would be cool. Solid, a solid white crested gecko. Yeah. So maybe you can answer this. I had, so I had our buddy Gonzo. I talked to them yesterday on the phone on the way down here. And then we were talking about something that I've always wondered. And I'm going to find somebody at some point that knows the answer to this or at least has an idea. Why on the earth do crested geckos not grow their tail back? Any idea? It, they lost the genetic lottery when it comes to all those New Caledonian lizards. Like That's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Leeches do it. They grow their tails back. Gargoyles well, grow their tails back. <clears throat> well, yeah, gargoyles don't drop their tails. I was just yeah. going to say, yeah, and they don't drop theirs. Gotcha. Yeah, it's... And, you know, it's, you might think of it the opposite way of instead of why do they drop their tails and not grow back it's why do gargoyles not drop theirs yeah, yeah. right that's that's true so because all the other ones will drop it and grow it back. well and, and i was thinking maybe with the cresteds and i told gonzo this that maybe that in the evolutionary path for cresteds one or two things could happen once we thought they were extinct so everything we have now is from a small population of what we actually found so maybe we just got the stupid ones who couldn't grow tails back maybe at some point there were crested geckos that could and we just got the special, the special population that couldn't do it. And they're the frog butt species. Yeah, now we have the frog yeah. butt ones. And then uh, the other was maybe in the evolution of them, there was too much energy expenditure to regrow a tail, and it wasn't worth regrowing the tail. You could still survive without yeah. it. Yeah, they but, get one shot to elude a predator, and after that, you're just done. But it's, it's a it's a weird, the weird thing. They're a prehensile tail. Like they they use the tail. It's not like they're no, losing a tail. Yeah, yeah they'll I wrap didn't realize their, it was a prehensile. Yeah, they'll wrap it around stuff to hold now on. Now that you say that, our crested gecko does wrap his tail. Around and you're my like, fingers. You would think if they've evolved that for the use for their tail, they'd want to get a new one. Yeah. yeah. You would think so. But I, I can't figure it out. I, it's at some point, I want to find some scientist somewhere who goes, oh, no, this is why. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. If you say so, I just still think they lost the genetic lottery, and now they're, now they're just stupid. Yeah. Well, the majority of the geckos have them, and it's... <laughs> it's just a weird one, because it wasn't until, what, the 90s that we thought they were gone completely. And now they're one of the most, like, numerous pets in the, tra- in the, oh, yeah. in the hobby. Well, they're such it, an easy keeper. It's that's it, and it's they're going to continue to take off just because people are 
wanting to do the bio setups. Yeah, I and mean, you don't have to feed them bugs. Don't have, <clears throat> well, we still have to throw in bugs every once in a while just to repopulate what's going on. Yeah. But, you know, crested geckos, gargoyle geckos, you keep them in your living room. Yeah, you don't have to, put, you don't have well, to give heat to them. What in I your love room about it is I don't have, yeah, I don't have to put the heat on ours. And, like, he's got his light, and I have a variety of different Pangea type foods that I give to them. And we'll throw crickets every now and then. And then I'll throw crickets every now and then. I'll get a couple extra when we're buying for, like, the spiders or something. But uh, for, for the general pet person, when they're looking for a pet for their kid, they really take all the boxes because they take the less amount of the less amount of equipment equipment for them versus like a bearded, where a bearded just the setup for a bearded is to do it right. Is, right, is, several hundred dollars. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, so yeah, I, I totally get that. So I like Carson, and and some of them with the way they're line bred now uh, are really pretty. The yeah. only reason they're, they're in that whole group of geckos where it's tricky though, because like they look really pretty right now. And then, like, in an hour when you come back, you're like, that's not what it normally looks like. I promise. Oh, yeah. Just come back later. Well, that's why Carl's invention yeah, the, is so the box. great for the shows because he's got that, that black acrylic box that you open up so they stay fired up. He did it for his lychees and his uh, gargoyles, yeah. but, yeah, I mean, it works for. Oh, it's- so they fire up when it's dark? Yeah. Or, or when they're wet. Or when they're or- scared. Because yeah. or- I thought it was just like a, well, it was just like a not- fear mechanism. Well, like the lychees are nocturnal. So they are sleeping during the day. So when the lights are out and that's open, that's why you see lychees in these displays and they're not colorful. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're blending in with bark and stuff on yeah. trees. It doesn't pay okay. to have those bright pink spots right. like, like on Carl's lychees. Right. So doesn't... when he closes that that lid on that display and when he opens it, their pinks and the reds right. are just because they're in the dark then. And that's where they are active. Oh. How many lychees So is that you... the same with like crested geckos and gargles though? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I yeah, always you, wondered why they did that. If you go in the morning to to a vendor before they pull off their their blanket or their tablecloth or whatever over over them, you'll actually see them fired up. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna have to start well, watching Charlie. Yours, at yours home. does it. Yours. The other day he was I've very never, pale yellow. Yeah. And sometimes he's a very pretty orange color. Yeah. I've noticed. I just I never knew what caused. I know some people can do it. Like when you spray them, sometimes that'll cause them to like fire up too. It's, it's, it's yeah. It's, but, yeah, in the mornings, he'll be really pretty. See, and I always thought it was kind of like with bearded dragons when they get, like, the really dark beards and they, like, puff out. Like, I always thought it was, like, a stressful thing. No, And so it wasn't a good a, thing to see. They can, Bearded dragons can get stressed, but when they're – they don't fire up. They just pretty much get pissed off. Pissed off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, see, and I always thought that I'm the firing – I'm angry, leave me alone. I guess I thought the firing up on the crested and gargles and leeches – Was an anger thing. It was an anger thing. No. It wasn't a – it just depends on the time of, of day. Hidden. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, imagine yeah. during the day they're hidden. I mean, look at a lychee, it looks like the side of a tree. Oh, 100%. And so yeah. if it's pale, it matches that pale colored bark, but at night, it doesn't have to be blended into the pale colored bark. As much. Okay. Totally makes sense. There's going to be one person listening to this that is like, oh, I never knew that. Well, good. Now they know now that. Now I've done my job. <laughs> All right. So I was trying to think if I, have, if I think I covered. So how many lychees? You have lychees, right? Not yet. Not yet? Are you planning on getting lychees? They scare me. Down the road. They sca- I can't, Why do they scare you? They don't scare me. Like, I'm afraid of them. But, like, if I'm going to pay $2,000 for something, the other part of my brain goes, well, you probably need to breed this thing. And then I hear the horror stories of, like, this $2,000 lychee killed this other $2,000 lychee, and then I would hate the one $2,000 lychee I have left. <laughs> because it killed your other one. And then, so yeah, it's just. So you don't want to pay just $2,000 to have a pet. No, that's why I don't have blue tongue skinks. I was about yet. to say it's why I don't have blue tongue skinks because no. I want to breed blue like tongue skinks. Rip off limbs and 
Well, it's I actually had blue tongue skinks before. I actually had this, a breeding loan with uh, Sean Gray when he had his. Mm-hmm. And so you have you have the team, northerns. Hmm? You have the northerns. Not anymore. Not anymore. Oh, okay. My female actually got or septic. Oh man. And she had thirteen babies. In that's her. rough. Oh, that's a ton of babies. Yeah, mm. it was. But you know, it's it happens. It's a, it's a gruesome breeding though ritual. Oh, yeah. It's 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 horrifying. Yeah, it's like to find blood in a cage is not abnormal. That's that's definitely something that could happen. Oh yeah, it's, with most all the lizards. Yeah, it's a weird evolutionary thing though. You think like, why why a little softer might be more beneficial? Like, no, I think just that hit it and quit it. And, <laughs> and I guess in the wild, the females have time to get away before they have a leg ripped off. Well, Whereas, if you think. Most of the lizards, they, the only time that they come together is to, is to breed unless you have your, your leeches. Yeah. And going back onto that subject, you know, the leeches, you know, look for one mate pretty much. Because most breeders will have a couple males to one female. Yeah. Because a female just may not like the one male, but yep. like the other one. Um, Hell the Scale had a... Uh they'd put a male in with one female and she rejected him so they took him out this is when they were still learning took him out and put him directly in with another female and she could i guess smell that other female in him and ripped him apart <gasps> holy cow i mean just ripped him apart that's insane yeah it's matt terrifying. said it was the most brutal thing he's ever seen the reason i'm never gonna breed my corn snake i mean my uh, king snake either yeah shit horrifies me <laughs> reptiles that eat and kill other reptiles i Oh, I'll stick with my Samboas. Although I take it back, I did have one Sambo once grab a male. Yeah. But she thought it was food. Like to her defense, I put it in there, and as soon as I slid the the, lid, the tub shut, I guess it triggered her, and she grabbed them. I was like, oh fuck! So I got them out, waited ten minutes, put it back in. They were good. <laughs> but yeah, they're not ripping off anything. So, all right, Norm, we'll let you get back and go sell more of your your lizards. Yeah. And, and play with your thank your, you your narwhal. Absolutely. Yeah. There, it's the battle of the nor- narwhal today. <laughs> got the, the little bearded dragons hanging out in the narwhal. So, have you seen that? No. It's adorable. I'll come look at it. And the a little t- bit, there's a little narwhal stuffed animal. And the bearded, bearded dragons, dragons are all just on chilling on nice. it. So. They're cute. Thanks for coming on, Norm. All right, thank you. Talk to you later. All right. All right, we are back with another one. We are back with Casey Cannon of Cannon Fire Reptiles. How's it going, Casey? Hey, it's pretty good. Having a good show. Are you guys uh, doing all right? Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. This, awesome. is, this has been Robert's first big show. I don't, how's it been, Robert, for your first? I'm enjoying it, yeah. You're I, not working it, which is also really Yeah, nice. that's the best part. So I can do what the fuck I want to do. I'm meeting all kinds of people. Yeah. <laughs> it's my first trip to Texas. Is it really? Really? Yeah, it's Where been pretty live? nice. Georgia, right? You're in Georgia. Yeah, I'm out in Georgia. Which has got the weirdest. So we had Phil Goss on earlier. Georgia has some of the weirdest animal laws of, like, any state. It absolutely does. So, I could, if I have a fishing license, I can have a room full of uh, eastern diamondback rattlesnakes, right? But if they were to walk in there, like Georgia DNR, mm-hmm. were to walk in there and find a corn snake, yep. and yeah. I didn't have the rules, they would kill everything. They're like, it's a little bit over-exaggerated, but what it's been told to me is they will kill your dog if they find <laughs> an illegal corn snake in your house. It's ridiculous. Like, they don't mess around with that rule whatsoever. Are corn snakes, like, endangered in Georgia? No. Nowhere. They're probably under every freaking log. Yeah, they're a very common species. They and just... no one's keeping normal ones anyways. <laughs> right. It's crazy. Yeah, so that's why I always kind of steered away from the colubrid stuff. It was I was afraid of, like, 
any repercussions. Any at repercussions all. of it? Yeah. Like I was afraid that if I got some rat snake stuff, I'd find out like, oh, well, technically it's the same species, even oh. though like they're from, you know, Arkansas or whatever like that. And I find out like, in. yeah, they're just all lumped together. Which I also wonder about that with the uh, the venomous laws. Like, am I allowed to keep broad-banded copperheads? Am I allowed to keep? I don't know. Well, and then those have been reclassified. Now, where I think we're down to just two species, two <laughs> technical species of copperhead. There's the west and the east because they. Yeah, the they, easterns and you have the broadbands, you have the transpecos. Do they do the transpecos still by themselves? Or do they lump them in with? I think they lumped them in with the broadbands. Yeah, bands. they might have. I think they actually might have. Yeah, because that's the thing. That's the thing with scientific names is is they just change. Like the, there is proof. It's taxonomy's like, not real. Well, let's be real here. It's not <laughs> real. It's right. like whose line is it anyways? You know where the points don't matter. That's taxonomy. Everything's made up and the points don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because we're really just throwing around what we think happened. Like, don't get me wrong. And someone out there's well, we have DNA evidence. That's fine. Well, but it's still just a name we I gave. Like Terry it. Herring's argument. So you're telling me if a yellow rat snake swims across the Mississippi River, it's now a western rat snake. <laughs> and he said that the they've. The state agencies have said yes for our purposes. It is location-based, right? That's like uh, with carpet pythons. You know, coastals and jungles. A lot, of, a lot of people they say they they may be the same. They just look different based on where they are. But then when you look at them, they like they definitely look different. Well, I've had this argument with some people where you look at gelatin and you look at Port Douglas. Yeah. They are under 20 miles away from each other, and we have quote unquote Port Douglas carpet pythons from coastal carpet pythons from that area and quote unquote yeah, and gelatin jungles from there literally it's a 30 minute drive between those two places yeah, but those, those snakes know the difference they don't yeah. they don't travel I mean, they even look kind of similar if you look at like a port douglas co- coastal and a gelatin jungle they look the same <laughs> they, like, know, they, they know borders They're well good. that's i mean it's like that with alterna yeah you know one side of a highway they look one way and one side of a highway they slightly look different and those guys get super pissed if you ever breed them together yeah if you breed the one that was next to this rock with the one next to that rock, you're an asshole. Yep. You're just muddying up the waters. Fucking taxonomy. That's, I, I love watching. There's a certain online chat where I watch Casey sometimes go off on tangents about yeah. stuff. It's fun. I do enjoy going off on my uh, He sends them to tangents. me. That's how I know who you are. <laughs> so Casey is known mostly for Brettles pythons because he has a few of them. Yeah, I'm also trying to look up if it's actually Port Douglas, it's close to Gelatin, or if it's another one of those localities. <laughs> I don't want to be wrong on no, a live broadcast. It's not live. Well, I'm not going to go back and edit it. I'm not going back to edit it. No, he'll just be he wrong. Will. You do have to edit out that one thing. I know. I, I will edit that. He okay. made a note of that. So it's, you're it's written it's on Port my Douglas. I'm right. Okay. Oh, look, okay. Yeah. Right. I figured you were right. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I hope that was, because I had this conversation with Michael Pinnell in Awesome Work last night. So... Hey, look, if they didn't correct you, then you're good. Yeah, right? But okay. So, <laughs> if they don't anyway, correct you, it's their fault. Brettles pythons. Centralian carpet Centralian pythons. Centralian carpet pythons. Yeah. That, that's a very confusing thing when you look it up and you see, like, Centralian. Because no one really tells them Centralians anymore, but you'll see it listed on some things as Centralian carpet python. You're like, or just Centralian python. Yeah. Which, again, we just said this, it's a better common name. It is. Centralian python, it just sounds better. Where is it's it located? It's more restricted. It's more like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's more descriptive of where they're from. It's just it's a better common name than a Brettles python. So is that what the hobby the, loves Brettles? They're from the center central Australia. Yeah. They're yeah, they're really right really dry, of, uh, high Springs. elevation. Well, it's, it's really dry, red, and it's 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 when you picture Australia, that's where they're from. Gotcha. I'm actually wearing my Alice Springs T-shirt that yeah. I bought in Alice Springs right now. Nice. <laughs> it's that's why I love. I think that they're the best representation of a python from Australia. Because they look like Australia. Like, that's what you would imagine. They're what is what is the one that Dave Kaufman, when they were over there, that was like the holy grail to find? 
Oh, Dave, oh those are the Owen Pellies. Yeah, the Owen Pellies. They, they found one, and then obviously the <clears throat> guys from Morelia Python have told that story five trillion times. They also found one. Yeah. I've heard. I've heard Eric found an Owen. Supposedly. Are, supposedly found one. Supposedly. Are you on any podcasts? He's on several of them right now, man. I've, I've been on quite a few of them. That I've, you've listened to in the car? Probably. Okay, you're just your voice sounds very familiar. And he's on the new. I haven't listened to it yet, but he's on the new Rept, Reptile Fight Club, right? Yes, the the one that just came out. The we one. talked about uh, power okay. feeding with Nick, isn't it? Uh huh. Yeah, I got to listen to that one. So, I don't know. It's just sometimes it's not a bad thing at all, but sometimes people just have a voice that you hear and you're like, mm-hmm. hey, I know that voice. We, yep. I feel Robert like, and I've had that happen walking around. People go, Wait, do y'all have a podcast? Yep. Somebody saw my shirt and they're like, You're the chick from. I'm like, Never referred to as the chick from. Did you tell them okay. you have the only shirt in existence? I did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I did. I'm working sure. on it. I've been hearing that for like two years. But I okay. know. I know. It's moved to the top of my list, though. Some oh, other okay, things okay. have been cool, cool, bumped cool. off. It's up there. So, so back to, to so Sorry. the Brettles thing is, is also confusing because it's it's the scientific name, and, I, and I'm not a huge fan of using the scientific name as a common name, uh, especially when like when it's named after a person, because also it's because you get fussed up if it's bread lie or bread lee, depending on. Yeah, and who, I've been told by uh, Scott Iper, who is like a real stickler for uh, Latin names and stuff like that. It's supposed to be Bread Lee, which sounds stupid. It sounds stupid. I can't do it. It's a stupid I, I could name, agree on Bread Lee I. Great. I could do Bread Lee I because if there's two eyes on the end, I could do that. So but it's Bre- not Breadles. Bre- so here's it's the name. It's named after it's a guy named, named John Breadles. Yeah. So when we call it Breadles Python, it's, that's his name. But the scientific name oh. is Morelia. Is it Morelia? Yeah, they're Morelia Bread Lie or Bread yeah. Lee. But anyway, they're an awesome species from Central Australia. Indestructible. Yeah. Virtually indestructible. Um, I mean, it's it's unique in that the environment is basically an island, <coughs> but instead of being surrounded by water, it's surrounded by desert. So there are species where they're almost restricted in their environment to dry riverbeds and areas with just enough tree cover and just enough rock cover yeah. to be able to provide them a habitat. Like, you don't really find them out in the deserts of Central Australia. What you do is you see these dry riverbeds that are uh, kind of cut little paths through the area, and they're, that's where all the trees are in that environment. And the thing about carpet pythons in general is if you don't have trees, you don't have carpets. You know, they're a species that is very much um, very much tied ecologically to, to trees, yeah. environments like that, and the, the birds that come into them. Because so. they're eating small birds and small mammals that climb up. And, or have you ever watched, see any pictures of, like, coastals from Australia? It always seems to be the pictures of them eating, like, a wallaby. Like, you never see them when they're eating. A possum, eat- a brush-tailed possum. Yeah, they're not, it's never the pictures of them eating, like, smaller stuff. Everybody's like, look at them eat this giant thing. And then we freak out when someone's like, I think I fed my snake too large of a rat. No, you're good. No, you're absolutely <laughs> you're good. good. So with Brettles pythons, I have seen a few pictures of them eating in the wild. And it's always birds. Uh, there's a video of uh, somebody had a trail cam set up. Oh, in the water. A, yeah, it's, it's hunting in the water. Yeah. Where it gets like a magpie or something like that. I've seen another picture where um, it's one eating a, uh, I believe it's a Pacific duck or something like that. Huh. Um, in the water over by a place called King's Canyon. Yeah, it looks like it's hunting like a crocodile. Like it's sitting in the water with its head like right at the edge of the water waiting for the animal, the, the magpie to come down and get water. And hits them from like this little puddle of water. Yeah, and I... I want to say there's one more picture of one eating a starling or something like that, but the ones that come to mind right now are the one, uh, the ones hunting a magpie and the one eating a duck, both of which are right by the water, That's which so is crazy. really interesting because huh. you imagine them being a desert python. Yeah, right. Because it looks like it. Definitely looks like it. Yeah, and I mean that might, again, just be the bias of people taking pictures of stuff. You can't just base an animal's entire behavior off of a handful of pictures in the wild because it just happens to be the places where you saw a it. human being took a picture of one. Yeah. 
Yeah, because you, know. you, you didn't wander way off into the middle of nowhere and get a picture of it doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I think, I'm, 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 and I say it all the time, I'm amazed that brettles aren't more common in the, in the hobby just because their natural color, to me, is better than the natural color of most of the other carpets. Yeah. And carpet python can get upset about, people can get upset about that, but a brick red snake is way cooler than a tannish beige black snake. I mean, you're talking to somebody that absolutely loves brettles python, so yes. i got to say the natural color of a brettles python is it is incredible that being said i mean there's some uh, there's some southern coastals that i can look at and be like that's a very impressive animal yeah you know or some of the imbricata stuff or some of the whatever you call it in the uh, the south australia area where you have like the natural ver the natural um what am i trying to say the intergrade zone between imbricata and uh inlands Inland. i saw my first inlanders rangers i saw my first inlands last conroe Corey martin had some inlands there She's got one on our table right now. Does she have it there right now? Uh, she has a Schofield Mog line yeah, on the table that, right now. I was amazed at how calm that thing is. Took it out. like She's like, yeah, they never strike. They never bite. I was like, that's not. That's awesome. I like that. I, yeah. I held my first uh, rough scale today. Oh, you did go hold one? I did go hold one. Yeah, I, do, I really like them. I do kind of get it a little bit. They are kind of cool. They are kind of cool, aren't I, they? Again, I think the story sells them more than anything else. But they are a cool. They are a cool snake. But I mean, rare Python guys, like we love a good story. Yes. It's yeah. Just, it's like big. It's a big part of the hobby. Is a cool story. Yeah, that's what we said with Brett. Said a lot of snakes get sold off of a story. Like the, we talked about your Slowinski's corn snakes and your uh, Louisiana, Louisiana pine snakes. It's 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 a story that sells them. But uh, but yeah, the thing I've talked about I like about Brettles is that well, one, I love the story that you tell about how you how you uh, mated yours. Mm -hmm. So when you were like, yeah, I just put them like in a cooler or in a box on the back porch. and That was my first ever attempt. This is not how you do no. it. <laughs> but what I did instead of listening to people who have bred them before, I read the natural history, you know, quote unquote, the natural history, a.k.a. the, uh, the Wikipedia article that said how cold it gets in Alice Springs and how warm it gets. And for three months, what I did was I just put them on my back porch. I never pulled them off. I never did anything with them. And they lived by being outside in Georgia for three months in the wintertime. They survived <clears throat> that. Yeah. Wow. They didn't breed after that. Like, I had one get an RI, but they survived me being stupid like that. So usually what I'll do is I'll let them get cold during the nighttime and then bring them back during the daytime and let them get warm again. And that works so much better than, you know, trying to brumate them. like. Which is more realistic of what's, what's happening. I mean, it's, it's kind of a desert area, so you have that, those warm days when the sun is out. But very cold nights once the sun goes away. Yeah. yeah. And they are, like I said, they, they're a very cold tolerant snake. Uh, I would say they're probably the most cold, to cold tolerant python. Yeah. But see, there are a few species that are from the same area, which um, you don't really hear people in the hobby talk about much. There are womas in the same, like really? out in the in the scrubland, from where the brettles are from. And also, uh, when I went to Trafina Gorge. Uh, I caught a couple of um, Stimson's pythons oh, wow. in that area. So Stimson's pythons are living in the exact same spot the Brittle's pythons are. Huh. And I can tell you that because I've caught them in <laughs> the exact same spot. Is it Stimson's that got lumped into children's when they renamed everything? S supposedly. I mean, again, taxonomy's not <laughs> yeah. real. Taxonomy's <laughs> fake. <laughs> that was the one where you went from having several small python species to like, oh, no, we got like two. Yeah, <laughs> and they like split a couple species and... To me, they, they, they seem like a different animal, but I don't know. Like, when it comes to taxonomy stuff, I can get behind the idea, like in carpets, saying that all carpets are the same thing. 
I really can. Like, yeah. listening to, to guys like Iper say, like, oh, they're all one species and just different races. I have to draw a line somewhere, though, where, like, I refuse to believe a Parpon Carpet Python or a Darwin Python are the same thing as a diamond. I just, I yeah, can't I can get behind that. that. I don't, yeah. I don't know where that line needs to be. There needs to be a line that distinguishes those two things because they breed at different times of year. They have completely different behaviors. If you put one in the habitat of the other, it's not going to live to be three years old because it's going to die because it's either too hot or too cold. But, like, when it comes to genetics, we had the green tree thing that came out last year where they talked, like, the genetic difference between green trees in certain areas was actually pretty big, even larger than, like, the genetic difference between a human and a chimpanzee. But we've never been, like, right. I think humans and chimps could be the same. Like, we've never questioned, like, that's not a question. No, it's not. I mean, again, it's taxonomy's taxonomy. Yeah, so breed whatever you, well, don't breed stuff to ball pythons. That's that's my rule. Don't <laughs> Breed whatever you want, just don't breed it to a ball python. I actually do like ball pythons. I'm getting into ball pythons a little bit. Oh, I'm losing some respect for Casey. I've got other <laughs> stuff, too. I've, I've got Senzinia boas. I've got northern oh. tree boas. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So Brett was here. Do you have green or western Senzinia? I have the, the mandarin face, so I've ah, got the westerns. What do you mean, fuck them? That's like. I like the green ones. Well. <laughs> but no one has the green, finding know, a green like, one. Like Bill Hughes <laughs> and I think Matt Minatola. No, not Matt. Um, uh, why can I not think of my brain? Keith and Pete. Keith and like Bill Hughes are the two that I know that have green, and then everybody else has the sins in the. Uh, but the even then, though, like the Mandarin, the Mandarin faces have a lot of variation in them where it's super cool. Where there, w I did see one in a video. I can't remember who it was, but it was like bright yellow, like as an adult, bright yellow contrasted to a dark. Like it was not this muted, melted together. So the male I've got is almost this like uh, gunmetal blue kind of color, where he looks really interesting. I showed him to a couple people. And before I explained they came from Jeff Murray, they're like, are you sure those aren't hybrids? And then I said, no, they came from Jeff Murray. Like, oh, no, no, that's a pure Mandarin then. I do think they get misleading when you call them Madagascan tree boas. Yeah. Because they're not they're not overly, like, they'll climb, but they're not like a emerald or a green tree. Yeah, I mean, I don't know a better common name for them than Madagascan tree boas. I know. It's, I, when you say Sanzinia boas, that confuses people, so I'm like, oh, no, they're Madagascan tree boas. But you can't call them Madagascan boas because you have Madagascan ground boas and, and Doomerville boas. boas. But they are an awesome-looking snake. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of locks last year out of that pair. Nothing came out of it. And this year, um, I'm not really seeing a lot of action out of them, so I'm not 100% sure what's going on there. Uh, may just be a they don't want to go this year kind of Try putting them on your back porch. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. I mean, I put them in my garage at night because they are another species that needs to get pretty cold really? in the nighttime. Yeah. Yeah. Like Madagascar, people think of it as a tropical island. Madagascar is an island that gets pretty chilly, especially if you look at something like, um, you know, some of the chameleon species like Parsons chameleons. Yeah. Parsons chameleons. Those things get you huge. You need to drop them. Yeah, they get enormous and they're beautiful. And you need to drop them down to, like, the upper 40s to get them to breed at night. Yeah, that seems scary for – because, like, I think chameleon, I think fragile. So, like, you drop them yeah. down to the 40s, I'd get horrified. And the hilarious thing about them is those eggs take between 16 months and two years to hatch. Holy fuck. Yeah. Yeah. You have to That's a commitment. put the eggs through a, uh, a cooling cycle twice to get them to hatch. Those eggs incubate for, like, a third of the parent's life. Yeah. No, see, um, Parsons live a long time. They're Do a little they? bit different than the other species where, um, you know, most chameleons, they're like the, the insects of the, they're like the closest thing to a vertebrate insect that exists. Yeah. Where a lot of those species, like they live one year, they have a boom and bust cycle where 
they grow up super fast, lay their eggs, die, and then the eggs hatch and like rinse and repeat. You see that with veiled chameleons in uh, the wild. Harsons, they're a much more long-lived species. They only like one clutch a year, or like Damn. every couple years. They're really unique. I guess if you're gonna have an egg that incubates for almost two years, you better be a long-lived, a longer-lived yeah. species. And it's they're like the size of a cat. Yeah, they're so. huge. I remember going to, to uh, the DFW Herpetarium or whatever, and I went in and they had just two massive ones. When you walk in, I was like, I'd never seen them in person. I just knew they were big. I didn't realize they were that big for a chameleon. It's a massive chameleon. Yeah, that's a species I've thought about for a long time, but... But it has I mean, legs and eats more often. It has legs and eats more often. So maybe one day I'll be able to get in a species that I can... Yeah, I, I'll be responsible enough to take care of a species that needs to be fed every like every day, every other day. But I even struggle with that with uh, like the blue-tongued skinks I've got. I, thought I even struggle with that with myself. Just, yeah, right? I've got to feed myself every day. Doesn't look like it. <laughs> Casey, Casey, not me. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, I, I'm able James to find has food. someone who feeds him. I know. <laughs> I'm able to find food. We're good. He forages whenever I'm not in the kitchen fast enough. So I asked you the question earlier, and we never got an answer. How many, how many brettles do you have? He might not want to answer, James. I have um, carry the two. 13 adult females. I have Jeez. four, maybe five adult males. I've got some stuff I'm raising up, which probably comes up to another four to five or six. So... You're a teacher. What's, what's that in math language? He doesn't math. I don't, I'm, a, I'm a biology teacher. We don't do math. He once told his high school math teacher she wasted her life becoming a math teacher. <laughs> I, I did tell her that. She did not like me after that moment. <laughs> Thanks, sir. And, I, and now I get payback every day when I teach little shits who annoy the hell out of me. Uh-huh. So, I don't know. We'll say my, like, my future greeting group is uh, 2023 right now. And so in, in, with Brettles, there's... Two morphs, right? There's Stonewash and Hypo, right? There's Stonewash, Hypo, and there's a Genetic Stripe. Oh, okay. Genetic Stripe is the oldest one in the U.S. Um, the Stonewash came around a little bit later on. Uh, it's popped up in a couple different collections, but it's also, like, endemic to the most common line. So it's a recessive, well, it's a recessive gene with markers. Gotcha. You know, what like, do we have? We just have a normal. Oh. Yeah. You know, kind of like the Pides and Ball Python. Basically what Stonewash is, it's a really low-grade Pied mixed with a really low-grade hypo. So, yeah. you know, it's cool by itself, but when you mix it into the actual hypo, hypo. So you get an animal that almost gets like a double dose of hypo in it. They're incredible. I will say hypo brettles are amazing looking. Oh, they absolutely are. I <clears throat> That was what really made me fall in love with the species, was um, seeing some of the Australian stuff with the hypo brettles. So as soon as they became available in the United States, I, uh, I jumped on them like the second, or I think it was the second year they were available. Where the hypos? I uh, I got my brittles from Nick, and I just was scrolling through his his page one day because he, he does a really great job of posting all of his animals on his on his page, and it gets dangerous when you go to his page and start looking at stuff. Cause oh, absolutely. It's it's, a, it's not. I mean, I've got stuff coming from Nick pretty soon too. Like <laughs> it's just not good. And, and like I was like, all right, let me just go look at the normal clutches. I don't want to look. I can't afford all these. And I looked through, and there was one normal that was like bright red than the others. Like, all right, I want that one now. I want that one before anybody else gets it. Mm-hmm. And she has. She has kept that red. She hasn't gotten dark. Uh, so. Yeah, she looks she's great. She's a cool little snake. I like her. And it's, she'll sit, she perches, which is not what I expected, because like, she'll perch and she'll put her head down like a green tree will. Like, and she'll do you like branches or you like uh, shelves? Mine seem to like shelves more than they like. Mine's on. Branches. I've got a, I built a PVC like playground for her to sit on, and, her, and she'll perch up on the PVC, and then she'll put her head straight down, est up, just like you would see like a green tree sitting, waiting for something to run, run by. But uh, 
I've never had her skip a meal, that's for sure. She will, they will eat nonstop. Oh, they absolutely nail food. I told, oh, I, I had the conversation with, with Justin Smith and all when they were trying to figure out the uh, superior Morelia, and we've, we settled on. It's brittles. It's brittles. I mean, it, it has to be brittles. It's not going to get too cold for them. It, it probably won't get too hot for them. They're always going to eat for you. They're pretty calm. They have an amazing color. And they get a great size. I mean, they get like six, seven foot. Yeah. I mean, the biggest one, I've seen pictures of one where people claim they're 10 foot. I'd like them to take out a measuring stick when they do it. <laughs> I had one that was probably about eight foot two. I know that because we had an eight foot pool table, right? And the tip of her tail would go all, you know, she'd be stretched out where the tip of her tail is touching the end. And then her head would just be hanging off the side. So she is just over eight feet long. That's an awesome And thing. she ended up dying a couple years ago of a spinal tumor. Oh, wow. Yeah, she got like a spinal cancer or something like that where it paralyzed the back half of her body. It was awful. Mm. Cancer in snakes is such a weird thing. Like, just, It's common in Morelia, too. Yeah. I've noticed that. Like, I've got a, a lot of Morelia, once they cross like 12, 14 years old, something like that, they're really prone to getting cancer. I've got a jungle right now who, like, overnight, she's probably 15, 14, I was going to say, she's her, over. Her heart enlarged. Like, she's got this enlarged heart that, like, it wasn't there like one week, and the next week I was like, "What the hell is this mass?" And when I stopped to look at her, you could see it beating. And I was like, "That's her heart." And I mean, she's fine right now. She's eating. She's pooping. She's good. But yeah, I've heard that with Morelia. But then you have things like sharks who don't get cancer. Like it's, it's yeah, it's, elephants. Right. Really, elephants? Yeah, yeah, elephants don't get it. It's well, you got to think when an animal is that big and has that many cells, you have to have some natural safeguards against cancer. Yeah, in your body. That's true. I don't know if whales get it either, for the same reason. I wonder. You get that big and have that many cells because that's all cancer is. Cancer yeah, is just, just a massive dividing cell. Yeah, where it stops it from having uh, dividing regulation. Huh. I didn't know that about elephants. That's very. I always knew about sharks, but I didn't know about elephants. <laughs> all right, now that we're talking about mammals, it's probably time to go. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we got, Brittany, we got Brittany gobbles over there waiting. We've been trying to hunt her down. I'd say they're basically about to kick you off the couch. I'm not kicking. I don't know. No. <laughs> we just went about the same amount of time we do with everybody. Yeah. I've been, I was super glad you were here. Like, when I saw you show up last night, I was like, wait a minute, that's Casey Cannon. I didn't realize Casey yeah. was here. So. Yeah, uh, like I said, my first time out in Texas. I'm pretty excited about it. Just be like everybody else. Move over here. Yeah. You move over here, you can have some corn snakes. Yeah. <laughs> Finally get my corn snakes. As many as you I'll want. I'll sell every snake in my collection and get nothing but Okatee corn snakes. <laughs> that would not be horrible. I would not be upset See, about honestly, it. See, honestly, Okatee corn snakes are one of the prettiest snakes. Sure, by far. I agree with that 100%. Yes. I don't know if I've met people that don't like Okatees, like just on their own. No. You, you've got people that say they're way too common or something like that, but like at the end of the day, if that was, imagine if it was like Boland's Python level, where it's like a one rare snake that comes out from the top of the mountains of Papua New Guinea, and somebody just brings one in, people would be losing their minds oh, yeah. over Okatee corn snakes. The yeah. only reason people don't lose their minds over them now is that every corn snake, corn snake table has them. Yeah, that's another, that's, it, 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 and the fact that, well, it's weird because we talked about yesterday. So it's a native, it's a native pattern, but now it's more of just a pattern. It's not so much the native pattern as it is just, a, it's not really a mutation, but a lime bread pattern now. Yeah. But they came from the wild that were very similar to that at some point. Like those were from the wild and little hunting club in South Carolina. So, yeah, I do like oak teas. So move over here, get you some oak teas. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> but thanks, Casey. Yeah, you're welcome. Yep, thank you, man. It's now very Ro nice now to Robert's going to go buy a Brettles. Yep, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and some. You know, and some Kimberly Rock models. Kimberly Rocks, yeah. <laughs> All right, bye.